It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, August 17th, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani inside our New York City studio. My friends, last week, a, ta- a tale of two weeks in the world of mixed martial arts. Monday through Friday, pretty quiet. I lied. Monday through Friday was super busy. Holy moly, was it busy. A lot going on. Found out the main event and co-main event for UFC 194. Found out main event for UFC on Fox 17. Found out that Verdum is fighting Kane again. What else did we find out? Oh, yeah. Anderson Silva. A horrendous appearance in front of the Nevada Athletic Commission. And a bunch of other stuff as well. And then over the weekend, it was super quiet. Perhaps one of the most quiet non-holiday weekends of 2015. Nothing really happened. Small things here or there, but as far as real MMA news, no events, of course, for Bellator World Series of Fighting UFC, nothing really happened, and it was an opportunity to catch our breath, get excited for this coming weekend in Saskatoon, assess what had just happened in the last five days. I mean, the Anderson Silva thing was just very wacky on a whole bunch of levels, and of course, we'll talk about that all show long, but it it was a nice, quiet summer weekend with not a whole lot to talk about and i appreciated that but it all ramps up once again we've got ufc this sunday remember it's sunday in saskatchewan and then uh, bellator's back next weekend and then the following week is ufc 191 so as always much to discuss much to digest much to break down and we are happy to be with you here on this beautiful monday in new york city a wonderful day here in the Big Apple. All right, what are we talking about? Who are we talking to on today's show? I believe this is uh, episode 294, 295. We're getting close to 300, my friends. That's going to be exciting. But for now, it's uh, Monday, August 17th. 294, 295, something like that. Anyway, uh, at around 245, we're going to talk to Kahal Pendred. Uh, He had an interesting back and forth with one Philip Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, last week on Twitter. So uh, we'll talk to him about that. Also, he's coming off a loss. He's fighting in Dublin in October. Always good to talk to my good friend, Kahal Pendred. That will be at 2.45 p.m. Eastern Time. 2.25, we're going to talk to the UFC's VP of Athlete Health and Performance. His name is Jeff Nowitzki, uh, a very powerful, very influential man in the world of anti-doping, was hired by the UFC in, I believe, April. He's the one, along with USADA, that's heading up their new anti-doping efforts. So I wanted to check in with him around a month after this, this whole new uh, program went into place and see how it's going. Where they go from here and also maybe get his thoughts on Anderson Silva as well, who, as you have probably heard by now, has been suspended for a year dating back to his fight against uh, Nick Diaz. So, so it's, it's retroactive. It, uh, it expires, if you will, on January 31st, 2016, but he was also fined $380,000. So his entire win bonus and a percentage of his show money. Pretty significant. Um, at 2.05, we're going to talk to Donald Cerrone. As I said, his UFC on Fox 17 title fight against Rafael Dos Anjos was announced for December 19th in Orlando, Florida. So that's a big one. Will Brooks also had an interesting week. Uh, his title fight was announced for November 6th against Marcin Held, but uh, some other stuff was going on as well. So looking forward to talking to Will Brooks, the Bellator lightweight champion, and also Roger Huerta, 
my very first interview guest, as far as video interviews are concerned, he returns to action September 1st, one championship. And we'll talk to him at 125. But first, and of course, as always, we are going to uh, take your questions and comments. So leave us a question or comment in the comment section below or use the hashtag TheMMAHour on Twitter. But first, let us uh, welcome in our first guest of the day. He is the UFC middleweight champion, the reigning and defending UFC middleweight champion. It was announced last week that he'll be the co-main event against Luke Rockhold at UFC 194. That's December 12th in Las Vegas. He is Chris Weidman, and he joins us right now via the phone. Chris, are you there? Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, Chris. Uh, so uh, a lot to discuss with you. First things first, just curious. I'm not trying to start anything, not trying to, to make a big deal out of it, but once again, your co-main event, co-main event, excuse me. How do you feel about that? Uh, you know, it's, it's understandable with, you know, this Conor and Jose card, uh, you know, fight. It, it, it was, it's been marketed forever. It was obviously supposed to be one of the biggest fights of the year, now almost the biggest fights in history. Um, back in, oh, I guess, July, and then, you know, obviously Jose got hurt. So the anticipation for this card is, for that fight is ridiculous. So um, if I was going to have to pick somebody to be a co-main event for, that's, that's a good fight to be a co-main event for. But, um, you know, and, and I'm not fighting a guy like Anderson Silva or even Vitor Belfort or uh, Leo Machida. I feel like Luke is still, he, he, he hasn't even been on a, he, I mean, on one pay-per-view card in his career. Uh, he's never been a main event or, or co-main event in, in pay-per-view. So he's still up and coming and trying to build his name. So uh, it's, it's good to be, you know, under the big lights and uh, show our skills in, in such a big card. So it, it's all good. So in other words, you're blaming him for this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're bringing him to the dance, right? I mean, as you said, he's only been on one uh, pay-per-view main card, UFC 172. I think he was the third fight on that uh, main card. You're no stranger to this sort of thing, though it is your second time co-main eventing in a, in a row. And after your last fight, you you know, you went on the mic and you said, you know, join the team and give you respect, things like that. I thought you would be main eventing your next show, but it sounds like you're not too worried about it. I mean, it doesn't doesn't really matter. You know, they they try to put big cards together. There's usually two title fights, and usually it goes in weight order. So the last one was the Daniel Cormier and uh, Anthony Johnson card, and they were fighting for a belt. So um, according to what the way they usually do things, of course, I was going to become an event, which was whatever. Uh, even though I was the only true champion on that card, uh, because both of them really didn't have a, a championship, you know, I could have argued, but, uh, you know, as long as the people, as long as people are tuning in and they're marketing me the right way, building up to the fight, I have no real problem. Uh, this is, this is definitely different because I'm the heavier guy. So usually I would be the uh, main event, but because of the, the buildup for this, their, their fight, I was, you know, I understand why they would want to make me the co-main event. And correct me if I'm wrong, you get pay-per-view points. So this is a good card to be on, right? Exactly. I'm, I'll be making good money. Nice. Well, I'm happy for you. I can't. I can't. I'm not going to be complaining. Speaking of that uh, amazing promo earlier this year, the Join the Team one, have you sensed that more people are giving you love, joining the team, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot more love. So I really appreciate it. You know, so I have some amazing fans. Um, so I definitely feel it. 
I don't know what it is, but it, it definitely feels like people have turned the corner on you. It feels like finally they are accepting you as champion and excited about your fight. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's it's that, that promo, that that performance against Vitor. Maybe it's this fight that they, they finally feel like, okay, you're fighting someone who's kind of your age. And I know that Anderson, the first one, you were, you were, to some people, an underdog. I know the, the hardcore MMA enthusiast, the fellow fighter, didn't think of you that way. But I don't know. It just feels like after that fight, something has changed. Have you noticed that? Um, after this last fight? After yeah, this definitely. last fight, something think, seems to have know, changed. Um, yeah, I think the more times you win... Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey. Uh, the more times you win, uh, the more fans you get. <laughs> and uh, I think with me, it was kind of uh, weird circumstances. You know, I beat Anthony Silva, so, you know, my nine, was it my ninth fight or my, yeah, my tenth fight? Um, <laughs> Who's bothering you there? What's going on? I just walked into the gym, and I'm walking by people without saying hi. So I just, oh, okay, okay. I understand. Let them know that I'm on the phone with you guys. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, I mean... I don't even know where we are. I'm sorry about that. Who is responsible it. for making you lose your train of thought? I want to know who the culprit is. Um, there's a couple of guys at the front desk. They, okay. they, they don't deserve their name. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you mentioned Anderson, so let me ask you. What did you make of that whole bizarre scene in Nevada last week? I mean, it was, in my opinion, the worst performance in front of a commission ever and it wasn't only his fault it was his team's fault as well the legal team his defense team and they did him a major disservice when you go in front of the commission as you know it's not just you speaking there you have actual professionals legal representation that are supposed to defend you in the best way possible they did not do that what did you make of it considering you have fought this guy twice and and uh and here he is i mean coming up with this really bad excuse um, I didn't, I didn't watch it all. I, I, I know I talked to you a little bit, but I didn't, I, I watched like a little bit of it. Um, and then I seen some people, uh, so I don't know, I don't know the facts. I didn't, you know, I don't want to just kind of start talking without knowing the facts, but I saw some people said that he changed his story like three times. I saw Boss Rudin, uh, said that, um, and my thing is just, you know, everyone's a screw up. I, I kind of, I tweeted this out, but everybody, everybody messes up. So people understand that. Um, but you know, people don't, people don't like liars. So if you, if you mess up, man, just be honest. People, people respect that and understand it because everyone, everyone messes up and people appreciate honesty. And if you're changing your story three different times, there's, that doesn't sound good. Just, just fess up. To me, the most telling part of the entire hearing was that he said it was the first time that he had ever been tested outside of fight night. This, this, this situation was the first time ever. So going to your fight. I know it's the same case for you, but I mean, what did that, when you heard that, if you did hear that, what did that make you, uh, you know, think about, wow. So going into my fight, is it possible he was doing something as well? Did you think of that? I mean, if I would have lost to him, I'd be thinking that Yeah. because I beat him. It's like, whatever. I'm not, I'm not putting too much thought into that. It doesn't make a difference if he was on, was on it or not on it. Um, so no. What is it about you fighting these uh, these Brazilians who afterwards seem to go in this downward spiral? Look what you did to Anderson. Look what you did to Lyoto. The Vitor thing is kind of up in the air, but I mean, do you feel like you you? Uh... It's not. It's not just. It's, it's not just the Brazilians. Oh yeah, that's right. It's. Uh, I mean, you could start even before this. I feel like everybody who I fight, they're doing so good. Everyone thinks they're going to beat me. Then after I beat them, they just they just uh, they don't look too good anymore. 
Uh, you can start with Mark Munoz. I think he was on a three or four fight win streak. He was going to fight for the title. People yeah. thought he had a chance to beat against the Silva. And then I beat him, and you know uh, he went on a, a pretty crazy losing streak, and then he sucked. <laughs> you know, in people's eyes, these are the things that I said. You know, I beat Mark Munoz, but he sucks. But at the time when I'm fighting him, he's the man. You know, and I and I was going to lose to him. And then uh, obviously the Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva fights. People had a million excuses afterwards, but. You watch him against Stefan Bonner the fight before, or who he fight before that, I don't know. But um, he's unbeatable, you know, and he's, you know, obviously he was putting his hands down in those fights, and, uh, you know, he did that same thing to me. Besides, I, I stuck I stuck to what I was planning on doing. I stayed on, stayed on course and, and took him out. And then, uh, you know, since then he hasn't looked so good. And then, obviously, uh, oh, then we have Machida for Lyoto. <laughs> I was going through a tough patch, and Vitor, we'll see what happens with him. But there's, there seems to always be, no matter what, it's just excuses, excuses. By the way, before Bonner, it was the second Chael Sonnen fight. Gotcha. Okay. Just, uh, just for but the record. Did he just, did he, when did he finish Chael in that fight? It was that first? Second, second round. round. Second round. Second round, okay. so, And then I beat him, and he's old. And um, I got lucky because he had his hands down. <laughs> So speaking of uh, of this topic, later on in the show, we're going to be joined by uh, Jeff Nowitzki. And I know you've been one who has been very vocal about PED use in, in MMA. Are, are you happy where things stand a month into this whole new program with USADA? Uh, you know, I'm happy where, uh, from what I heard, all this stuff was going to happen. And, um, and I hope it is happening. But, you know, I haven't been drug tested uh, randomly yet um, since... I don't even. I gotta. They 100% started this thing, right? They're supposed to be drug testing people randomly right now, right? Yeah, yeah. It started in July. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Nothing. I haven't been drug tested yet. I want to be drug tested. I want to be uh, randomly drug tested anytime uh, because that's going to clean up the sport. I want everybody. I want everybody else to be drug tested, obviously, including my opponents. So I hope. Uh, I'm. I'm excited to hear you. I'm not going to listen to you talk. Because, you know, I'm too busy to listen to the show. All right. But I, I hope you ask him some good questions and find out what's going on so I can learn. So you haven't been drug tested once at a competition just yet? No, I got drug tested a bunch of times at a competition. No, since this whole thing started. Uh, like you the last couple of fights. I, I mean, since but this not, whole deal... Not through this, new, yeah. not through this new thing. So that was, I fought May 23rd. The last time I was drug tested was May 23rd, uh, uh, pre and post fight uh, through Nevada. Um, when did this thing start? July, in July, right? Yeah, July first. Yeah, so I haven't I've been drug tested since then. And you uh, have uh, you have some you know top guys in your uh, in your gym in your camp. Have yeah, you... I haven't heard I, I haven't heard anybody. I didn't know I haven't I don't know one fighter that uh, wow. has got drug tested. That doesn't mean they got they they might have got drug tested and just didn't tell me. But uh, these are guys in my gym. I'm sure they. I'm, I mean, I would think they would have told me, but who knows. Does that does that concern you? I I hope it's I just hope everything is. Uh, I'm curious on what he's saying. I mean, yeah, I, I want I want, I mean, this is. I was so happy to hear that you know this guy Jeff Nowitzki's coming in. He's a serious dude. I, I spoke to him a couple times. Um, seems really smart. He seems like he's excited to you know clean up the sport, and so that excites me. And so, you know, I was excited about the news and thinking everybody was going to be finally clean or at least close to clean. And um, and especially these harsher rules that they're going to put down if you do fail, all these things. Um, 
So that's why, like, I think Anderson Silva kind of got lucky with that one-year thing because I think it's supposed to be like two to four years or something for a failure, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. So I hope that hope that discourages guys from from taking stuff. I wonder if it will. Um, I, I think that's going to be the most interesting part of this whole scenario. So uh, that that, that yeah. is good information, uh, and uh, and I and I look forward to hearing. What you say. I actually even tried to look up myself on their website to see if there was any record of who has been drug tested just yet, because I know that they said that there was going to be some sort of online component to it, but I couldn't. And, find... and, and do me a favor, ask. Make sure you ask them. Please. Are they? They're definitely going to be testing for uh, growth, like the stuff that people think they can get away with—the growth hormones, the um, EPO. Um, stuff like that, and like what I had an issue with with um, with with uh, Vitor, his his I guess his, I, I, and I talked to Navisky about it, and uh, he was telling me you know it, it was weird I guess because his uh, Vitor's testosterone was twelve hundred, but his ratio to SP testosterone was normal, but twelve hundred testosterone for a guy who um, needed testosterone replacement because he would have died. It was so so low. It just seemed crazy. So I just want to make sure that that's all taken care of. I, I mean, I, I just hope they could test for everything: growth hormone, EPO, this testosterone thing. Like, make sure it's legit. Where they could catch people for you know the testosterone levels. I don't know. So I hope I hope it's I hope it you know it's good stuff. Let me ask you again about the uh, quote unquote privileged surfer boy, as you called him once. Is there some real beef going on between you two? Because it always felt like you guys were friends, like you were you were you were buddies, but it always felt like there was this there was this competitive this competitive vibe between you. Like there was this tension. I guess tension is the word that I'm like I always would see you guys interact, but in the back of your mind, even when you were doing the Fox show you knew that you were gonna face each other, so you didn't want to get too close. You get what I'm saying? Is that the best way to describe yeah. your relationship with uh, with Luke? I guess so. You know, we both, we, we came up, uh, you know, we were both prospects together around the same time. And I was usually, I was, you know, number one, he was always kind of like number two or three <laughs> coming up. And I, I know he's had his eye on me. And when we'd hang out and stuff, he always like kind of talk about fighting and stuff like that, but not us fighting, but just like fighting in general all the time. And I'm just like, whatever, let's talk about something else. Um, I don't want to be awkward, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. We're definitely going to, you know, we knew we were going to be fighting at some point. I think he's a talented guy. Um, you know, and uh, I thought we'd be fighting a little earlier in our careers, but um, he's he's here now. He's he's coming to fight for the belt, and I'm excited to go out there and just uh, completely run through Luke. I really just, I just really cannot imagine myself losing to him. And um, I know he'll kind of talk the same way, but I think he's just, I think he's just kind of faking. It. I don't think he really even believes he can beat me. Really? But Why? He, but he knows what he, he knows what to say. Is, I just think he knows. I just think he knows. There's, these guys, these guys know in the way. I think they're starting to get it. And he's one of the guys who knows. Um, he's like, I think he's a little insecure with himself, and I feel like that's why he has to uh, pump his chest up all the time and go a little overboard. But I think he's just insecure, and I think he knows what's coming. I think he'd be much rather be fighting anybody else besides me. Wow. Um, do you feel like a part of this is uh, his his buddy Daniel Cormier writing tweets for him and pumping him up? Part of what? You know, this uh, bravado, this uh, trash talk, the, the the tweets, all that stuff. Do you feel like it's really not coming from him? It's just more his his friends, his teammates 
trying to push him out there? Well, I know. I mean, he uh, Cormier was writing tweets for him. You know, they omitted <laughs> that. And whatever. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty funny. He still lost. He still lost the Twitter. The Twitter uh, uh, beef or whatever you want to call it. Even with Cormier's help, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, his teammates want to help him out as much as they can. You know, so that's fine. Compared to Anderson, one and two, Lyoto, Vitor, even before that, Mark, where do you rank him? Do you think this is your toughest fight or no? At least in the UFC. I'll tell you, I'm, I feel like I'm more motivated for this fight than I've been in a long time. Wow. I'm, even before I'm the first really, Anderson fight? I was really motiva- motivated for that fight, too. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I can't, I don't know if I rank, could rank it in a certain order, but I'm just saying I'm just, I'm I'm working really hard and I'm so excited because this is not a fight that I can allow go the distance or to the judges. It's just, you know I have such a great opportunity here to run through him and and truly make I think one of the final statements in this division that is just because he's he's beaten a good part of the division. I've been a good part of the division. I think after this fight the question marks are gone and. Um, you know, I think it, it, it's going to be a huge part, uh, huge part of my career. You know, it's a huge part of my legacy. This fight, and I know that, and I just have to run through him. Absolutely, run through him. And the good thing is that <clears throat> he has no idea what I'm bringing to the table for this fight. I could, I could just stand and try to knock him out. And I could take him down and go to submit him. He, he, he has no idea what I'm going to bring. That excites me, and I really could go either direction. I feel like if I wanted to, I could stand to knock him out. And I feel like if I wanted to, I could stand and wrestle. I mean, take take him down and, uh, and uh, submit him. So I, I just feel like I have such great opportunity, no matter where this fight goes. It's just such a it's just a really exciting fight, and uh, you know, and he's a talented kid, so it's gonna look it's gonna look good. It's gonna I'm gonna look good doing it. You know, sometimes you fight sloppy guys, and it doesn't look as good. But this kid. He's athletic. He's good looking. He's got a he's got a great body, <laughs> and uh, yes. it's gonna be fun beating him up. So, so Jacare Romero, you don't feel like uh, you know you don't feel like you'll have a little unfinished business after this guy. Um, no, listen, I'm I don't I don't know, but right now it's 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 Luke in my yeah. head. You know, uh, he he beat Jacare once in Strike Force. I know it was a long time ago. Yeah. So. Um, I, if I if I run through Luke, I just kind of know where it, it puts me. I just think it solidifies the fact that no one in this way is beating me. And then the steps I take after that, um, who knows? You know, I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know where this fight brings me, but I, I know it just brings me uh, higher to the top. So uh, I don't know. It sounded it sounded like you were going to say after him. I'm going up. It sounded like you were getting uh, and, there. And it, it, kind of, it, might, it might be, but I, I, I'm not, I, I don't know yet. Who knows? I don't know. Um, I feel like uh, there's a plan for me, and I know this is a big fight for me. I, I'm, I'm going to retire undefeated, and I will be named the greatest of all time. Yes. At some point. I don't know when. I don't know when uh, it's going to happen, but in order to do that, I'm going to go up to 205 and beat whoever everybody thinks is the best up there. That is going to happen. Uh, and I'm really excited for that. But first, I have to, um, like I said, I have to beat everybody at 185. And I feel like Luke is a great, 
great, great fight to have. By the way, what do you walk around at? I'm like 210 right now. Oh, wow. So you don't think 205 will be too big for you? No, because, I mean, I could get up if I wanted to. Yeah. If I eat a little bit, lift a little bit, I could get up to like 225 pretty get pretty easy. Not easy, but I could get up there. I, you know, I, I, there's been times. I remember before my Tom Lawler, Tom Lawler fight, I don't know how long ago that was, but I was like 235. That was when Hurricane Sandy hit, but I was I was just kind of chubby. I was out of my I was. I was immature. I'd eat like you wouldn't believe. And I've changed. I changed my lifestyle a lot. I don't really drink anymore. Uh, almost for the last year, uh, not much drinking at all. I mean, maybe a beer, very rarely. But I mean, pretty much in the last year, I don't. I don't drink. I don't go out. All I really do is focus on uh, training, my family, uh, God, and and uh, that's really it. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to self-improve in every area of my life. When you talk about that legacy and going up to 205 and all that, in the back of your mind, are you really, truly hoping that John comes back because, you know, he was, in most people's eyes, undefeated before he left and all that stuff like that, you know, the battle in New York, all that stuff. Do you feel like you need that? Do you need him to be there? Or if DC is champion and beating him, is that good enough for you? I, I'm, I, I know for a fact I'm not leaving this sport without fighting John. I just... Unless he's not coming back at all, but if he's there and I'm here, people are going to want to see it happen, and I, and I want to see it happen. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing against John. I think he, it's just because he's. I'm, I'm just. I'm a competitor, um, and I want to fight the best possible people. I want to fight the. I want. I want to have the biggest challenges in front of me and, and conquer them. That's why I wanted to fight Anderson Silva when nobody else wanted to fight him, and, and I, I want the biggest challenges. I want to be people that people think I can't beat. And John is definitely. John's definitely going to be one of those guys. Um, he's an amazing athlete, and he's accomplished so much. So I hope he gets his stuff together and he comes back. And um, you know, and I'm not taking anything away from Daniel Cormier either. Um, he's another stud. Stud. Um, so yeah, I like this. This is a, this is a, a rare Chris Weidman here. It's a quiet kind of. Uh, whispering Chris Wyman, I don't know who you're hiding from if you don't want anyone to hear you, but the confidence is just on a whole other level. It's great. It's kind of, really? it's uh, in a weird way, it's Roy McDonald esque because I feel like you're in like some bunker and, you know, there's a picture of Anderson crossed off twice. There's a picture of Lyoto. There's a picture of Vitor. There's like a heavy bag that's all beaten up. There's, there's like, there's like water dripping from the ceiling. The lights are flickering. That's where I feel like you are right now. At least that's what I'm imagining. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of what my gym does look like. <laughs> See, I knew it. Yeah. I've never even been there. Yeah, yeah. You should come. You should come by. So yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really excited for Luke. December 12th is going to be a great night, and um, I'm so excited just to, to run through him. And with all due with all due respect to Luke, I, he really is. He he's a he is a great fighter, and I'm taking him very seriously. I just I was watching this watching his fights uh, the last couple of days. Um, and he, it really excites me. I see a lot of things. I see a lot, a lot of ways for me to win and, and it excites me. And I'm sure he sees things too. Um, but that's, that's him being disillusioned. Um, I see the truth, man. I can't wait for this one. Two of the very best in their prime. It's so great. You know, you're both in your prime. You have to fight another American, which I know is weird for you, but, uh, you know, two. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's refreshing. Yeah, it's different. It's a different story completely. Um, it's not someone who, after the fact, people can say, 
you know, he's he's old, he's out of his prime, you caught him at the right time. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that can be said other than the fact that this is one versus two, peaking at the right time, meeting on what could very well be the biggest card of the year when it's all said and done. So it's a lot of fun. You know, personally, I think there's a case to be made for, you know, the only undefeated male champion uh, currently in the UFC main eventing, but I get it as well. Yeah, but that's, it's fine. It's fine. You get your paper. It's fine. My, my thing is, listen, you can, I understand, making co-main events, but like you said, I am the only male undefeated champion. The people I've beat in my career, no one else has, has done. I'm on the way to becoming the greatest of all time. All I want to do is, I just want to be marketed the right way, barely. That's it. So don't just, don't just, don't just brush over us like we're just another co-main event. This is a special fight. Are you confident uh, that will happen? Special fighters. What's that? Are you confident that will be the case that you will be marketed this way? Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm, we're going to be talking to the UFC about that, but I'm confident they'll do the right thing. I think uh, the the Jose Aldo and the McGregor fight's been marketed enough. It's it, people know. Uh, that fight already. There's been a lot of money thrown into that, so um, I don't think there's there's not even much need to market it much more. So I think uh, marketing me and Luke would be a good thing for for the card. All right, we'll leave it at that, Chris. I appreciate the time. I know you're going to train, so thank you very much. And uh, you know, hopefully, I'll get to talk to you before the fight. But if not, good luck in training. Can't wait for it. Thank you. Uh, There he is, Chris Weidman, the UFC middleweight champion. Huge fight for him, December 12th, UFC 194 in Las Vegas. Uh, My good friend Sean Alshadi letting me know that the online database of tests will be up in early October regarding uh, USADA. So uh, it's going to be updated every quarter, and uh, they will start being updated on the site in October. So that's why I wasn't there when I looked last week. Okay, let's move along. As I said, uh, very excited to uh, welcome in a man who... Just happened to be my first interview guest way back when, April of 2008. As far as video interviews are concerned, it was at UFC 83 in Montreal. He is very kind enough to stay up into the early morning of Tuesday, August 18th over in Thailand. It's very late from there or super early, depending on his sleeping habits. He is facing Koji Ando, September 1st at one championship. He is MMA veteran Roger Huerta. There he is. Roger, how are you? Doing all right. How are you doing? Did I wake you up, or are you just waking up? <laughs> no, man, I'm just chilling. Well, it's good to have you on the show. You know, actually, I said you were my first interview guest way back in uh, April of 2008. I don't know if you've ever actually been on this particular show, so this is very exciting as we approach our 300th episode. This is, this is the first. This is the first. Wow. How about that? Um, and again, thank you for, for staying up. So um, you came back last year around this time, end of August, after a very long layoff. People weren't quite sure what to make, you know, after the soccer kick and all that. You won. How come we haven't seen you in a year? I've been busy coaching, man. Just been busy coaching and building a building a team out here in Thailand. Um, yeah, just, I work at Tiger Muay Thai. I'm one of the coaches there and working on our, our MMA team. And that's pretty much it. Uh, just doing this thing kind of full time now. So it wasn't injuries. It wasn't anything like that. you just been busy developing talent. No. Well, it was... Injuries as well. Uh, yeah, I was injured, but um, so I just let the body rest. But I, I was still involved, but in the coaching aspect. So um, was still studying, was still learning, was still evolving and, and seeing what, uh, yeah, just uh, the evolution of the sport. What did that win last August do for you against Christian Holly? I think it was, what was it, four in a row that you had lost? I mean, it was a long layoff in between your last fight prior and that fight. 
Um, did you did you feel like before you called it quits, even if you know what you know, you never know what happens in the sport. Did you need to get back in yeah. there one more time to to go out on your own terms, perhaps with a win? Like well, mentally, what did that do for 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 your head, for your confidence, all that? Uh, to be quite honest with you, I was already willing to call it quits. I was after that soccer kick. I was like, all right, I think this is this. That's it for me. And uh, when I was coaching, and and because of the coaching. You know, you get to spar with a lot of the guys and a lot of up-and-coming guys. And those same individuals were just kind of like, yo, man, you, you, need to, you need to just you need a good team around you and, and get back in it. And so it was kind of, that's how it all And then, uh, yeah, now it's still going. So you come back, you win, and then does it change everything for you? Because you say, you, you know, you're even considering it. Not, not really. I, I just... I went back and like I, I was I was done with that fight, and I went right back into my other guys' training camp and coaching their, you know, running their training camps and going out to to Stockholm, going out to Berlin, and uh, yeah, just uh, coaching a lot of guys. <laughs> so it's just nonstop. But I remember the way the MMA community they they were legitimately happy for you after you won that fight last year because prior to that you had not won since 2010. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you just to feel? you know, your hand being raised to feel like, wow, I came in and I walked out and I'm the victor. Nothing. Uh, it felt good. It felt good to win. Um, and it just felt good to, you know, I've been doing this since 2003. You know, it's already 2015. So you could say I'm a decade into this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you put a lot of time into something and you're victorious, you get to, you know, accomplish those goals that you set for yourself. Yeah, you feel good about yourself. Of course, you know, it's just one of those things. I had set a goal for myself. I wanted to win. I accomplished that. And then it just, you continue on. Now I have a different task. I, I got Kojiando. So um, tough opponent. I want to, and, you know, you set goals for yourself. Like, I want to finish this guy in the first round. That's like a goal that I've set for myself. He's a, a tough individual. He went five rounds with uh, Shinya Yoki. Well, I don't want to go five rounds with him. I want to finish this guy in the first round and then make a statement at that and then go after Shinya. So, you know, that's that's just the thing. Like, that's what ended up happening. You just, you're like, okay, I, I set a goal for myself. I accomplished that goal and you continue on and you continue on. So that's just, as far as a competitor, that's kind of my road to it. So when I hear you talk about uh, Aoki and the title and all that, it, it feels like almost like you okay now you have you have a path. It's not just like you're you're going in and, and you might go out and you don't really. But now now you're striving for something here outside of just being a coach. Of course. But that wasn't always the case. No. What changed? I don't know. I Life. can't really. Life, I suppose. I mean, it's more chip. <laughs> I mean, man, I, life is good. <laughs> I could tell. I, I hear some crickets in the background. It sounds like it's paradise over there. It is, man. It's, uh, I, I, yeah, it's awesome. I don't know. Are you I, on a I hammock no right complaint. now? I am on a hammock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're outside. Are you outside? I, I am outside. Is that where you sleep? Mm, this is not where I sleep, but this is... Uh, the place where I kick it. Wow. What a life. We're doing it wrong here. I'm in the concrete jungle of New York City. And look where you are. Well, to each his own. You know, everybody has 
their thing. I like I like this thing. Did you ever think, I mean, was this always part of the plan? Did you think that you would end up in Thailand as a coach and all that? Is that, is that what you thought was going to happen to you? Uh, not at all. Actually, life is weird, you know. Life is strange. And, and, you know, you always, again, sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind, that's what, that sort of thing. But, like, you just never know. And, and, like, I think what, yeah, you know, I'm 32 years old now, and I never would have thought that I would be living abroad or – ever thinking of continuing to live abroad till the end of my days. You know, it's like, that's kind of where I'm at. So you're done with America. <laughs> this isn't a pit stop for you. No, like the, the world is awesome, man. Like I, I want to <laughs> check it out, you know, so I want to continue checking it out. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, put, I bought this map and, you know, it's on my wall and I get to see where I'm at. I'm like, okay, I'm in Phuket. Um, I've been to all these different countries because of living in Phuket and because of my job. And because of, the, yeah, the people, it's, it's cool, man. It's just, I don't know. It's cool. But, but right For now, me, you're, I, you're content in, in Thailand right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a great place to be. What about being a coach? When did that come to you? Because that's not something, you know, when you're a youngster and you're on top of the world and all that, you don't think about coaching the future generation. When did you realize that you were actually good at it? Um... I don't know. I, I, people keep coming to my classes. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose I'm okay at it. Who are, who are you most excited about? What do you mean? As far as your, your students, the guys that you are coaching. As far as my guys? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say like we're like, they're my students. I say we like, we're, we end up becoming the team, you know, yeah. uh, we, we call each other team banter cause we give each other a lot of banter. Um, other than that, uh, I'm excited for two guys, obviously Mirabik Taisumov and Subera Tahugov. Those are the main two guys that I was able to get in the UFC, um, and they've been they've been doing awesome. Like I think Beckham's like four and one now, Zubis two and zero. Oh. Um, you know, Nick Hine just came over here from from Berlin. He mm. had his first training camp with us uh, for his last fight when when he fought, and now he's in his second training camp with us when before he goes to Japan. Um, yeah, and then we got Shea Walsh. He's he fights in Bama, so he's fighting for a title uh, sometime in, in November. Uh, Alex Wokolowski from Australia. Man, he's that guy just keeps mauling everybody. Um, yeah, we just we just got a pretty cool squad over here. It's uh, it's nice. What's your contract um, situation like with one? Four fight. We just signed a four fight deal, so I'm with those guys. For a little bit, for a while. Oh, okay, you just signed a new one. So this is the first of four coming up. That's correct. Because uh, I feel in this day and age with the you know the Bellators and the World Series, of course with UFC doing so many shows, Roger Huerta, Mr. Sports Illustrated, would be a hot commodity. Did you play the field before signing this new deal? Did I play the field? Yeah. Uh, man, I have, I like 1FC. You okay. know, my, my relationship with like Victor Kui is, is pretty cool. My relationship with Matt Hume is pretty cool. Like it's... You know, I don't I don't deal with any managers or any of that sort. I just deal with them directly, and and uh, you know we just came into an agreement and continued on. Um, so it lets me, you know, be a coach, manage my guys, and uh, do do my training and, and go. You know, I, as soon as I'm done with my fight, I'm I'm back in Phuket. You know, finishing Nick's training camp, starting like Zoobs or Maverick's training camp, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of like a continuation of that. It's interesting because all fighters that fight for that promotion seem to echo the same sentiment 
although here in the United States, they're not as popular because they're just not on television. Do you get a lot of people who reach out to social media, Twitter, all that stuff and say like, where have you been, Roger? You know, where can I see you fight? Do you, do you feel like some fans who watched you 2007, 2008, 2009 in the UFC don't know where to find you these days? Be quite honest with you, I don't, uh, I don't pay attention to the U.S. Quite, a, you know, it's okay. just, I'm, I'm too involved. Like for example, it's, it's about to be 1 a.m. here. You know, um, I'm talking to you. I should actually be in bed. I know, I know. What a pain in the ass. I'm sorry. You're making me feel guilty. Are you trying to bring out the Jewish guilt in me? Hey, no, it's all right. You, you... <laughs> How else am I supposed to get you on the damn show? I don't know, mate. <laughs> okay, well, I'm almost done. All right. I, I could tell you're very much enjoying this. Why do you have a, 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 a knit cap on? Is it, is it cold over there? It's chilly. It's like camping. You know, oh. you know when you, in, in, in the daytime it's hot and then in the nighttime gets kind of chilly? Mm-hmm. Same, same thing. When's the last time you were in the U.S.? Uh, um, it's been that long. Maybe, t- maybe two years. I was wondering if, if you said you would have been there for some sort of family thing or a fighter and you go into that culture the way it is here and you're like, man, I don't miss this one bit. It's way better where I live now. I actually, well, I like to travel, but every time I, I come back to Phuket, it feels uh, chill, at least for me. It's yeah. one of those places where, um, yeah, I don't know. To me, it felt like the yeah, end. I'm not not really missing the states to be quite honest with you to me it felt like the end was the uh the incident in austin like that's when you said enough is enough <laughs> I, I, no i still lived in the states for a while oh after that um that went down and yeah that was i was i got look i i looked out actually i could have been really bad for me um but yeah i'm not <laughs> supposed to take the line to your as they said. <laughs> of course, especially when you're a fighter. Gosh, you're a target there. I guess you did like that because it was on uh, it was on camera and all that. So okay, so you say now that you want to uh, you want to run through Ando and, and beat him in the first round, and then Shinya. Are they on board with this plan? Like when you when you resigned with them, did you tell them okay, this is what I want? And did they say they like this idea? They were they were they were we were high fiving actually. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, we were high fiving. I mean, I don't think they really understood what I was saying because I was not. Anyway, yeah, no, they're they're cool. What do you mean? What do you mean? It's a joke. Uh, I I was saying uh, obviously. I I don't know. I don't I don't know much of them. I don't know. I I don't really know. I mean, I know their their fighting style, but I don't know much of them. I don't know if they know if they know how to talk English. Basically, obviously, they're both Japanese, so they we wouldn't be having a conversation. That's Wait. what I'm getting at. So we weren't really high fiving. Who are we talking about here? I feel like we're not talking about the same person. We're talking about Koji Ando and oh, Shinya Yoki. No, I was talking about like the one FC brass, like Victor and Matt Hume. Oh, yeah, no, they don't know. They don't know my no, they don't know my thoughts, I guess. <laughs> Wait, but when you resign with them, don't you tell them, okay, this is what I want out of this whole agreement? No, we just uh, we agreed on a four fight deal. I didn't know which opponents I would face or mm. any of that and, and still I got my opponent seven weeks ago yeah it was so that was that was good enough notice and for for both of us and uh yeah we were able to do our training camps and 
If I walked it. into your uh, your your home in in uh, Phuket right now, where would I find the Sports Illustrated cover framed and mounted? <laughs> Which wall would it be on? Probably my mom's home in Austin. <laughs> Nowhere to be found in Thailand. Nowhere to be found. Is there a reason for that? No, I, I don't. Um... It, does, does it I don't know. Work? I don't travel with. I'm not going to travel. <laughs> Here, let me uh, frame this and travel with it everywhere I go in the world. No, but you know, it, it might remind you of a different time. You were. A different... I, I guess. I guess if you were on the cover, you would actually do that. Hell yeah, I would. I would let every. It would be my passport. Let me through. Do you see this man? I was the first ever MMA fighter. Everyone makes a big deal about Ronda Rousey. You did it first. You're the pioneer. You're the trailblazer. Uh, well, congratulations. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, it wasn't... Uh, I don't know. I don't, it wasn't a goal, I guess. It wasn't a goal that I was like setting for myself. I want to be on the cover of this. Like It wasn't that. And so basically, I guess, so when that happened, it wasn't monumental for me, I suppose. You mm-hmm. know, um, If I would have won a UFC world title, fuck, that would have been definitely monumental. So... Um, because I, you actually worked really hard for that. Is that something you still think about? Is that something you still want? Well, I'm going after Shinya. I'm not really going after belts now. I'm more, I'm 32, man. Like, yeah. I, hopefully, I just need my body to stay together and uh, you know go through some some competition. But you don't think about you like you don't say I want to be a UFC champion. That doesn't mean anything to you. That doesn't cr- like it doesn't cross my mind. Okay, like I want to be UFC champion. You know, actually. There's a kid that is basically my one of my guys, Maribek Taisumov, Yeah. Who has such I truly believe this guy will be champion. Okay. You know. Um him and Habib Magomedov used to train together back in the day. You okay. know, it's so and uh man, I'm telling you, so that would be awesome. He talks about this, he wants to be UFC champion, or do you feel like you'll feel that same sort of, you know, um satisfaction we'll talk about yeah okay we both talk about it like it's it's a you know it's it's a goal you know it's a goal that you set for yourself in in any kind of way like that's something you want to achieve like and yeah he's he's definitely gunning for it you know so that'll be that'll be quite i mean and zoob zoob too that those two guys holy crap they're they're awesome when i saw you in sweden you compared him to uh taitumov you compared it to gsp right I did, yes. He he reminds me of George, you know, um, as far as like, you, you know, when you, George is a workhorse, man. That guy, that guy was just fucking nonstop working. He was just nonstop training, that, that dude. And uh, that's Merbick. That's Merbick, the same, the same attitude, the same, the same thing, the same drive. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really, you got to, you got to really convince him to, to take days off, you know? Okay. Final thing. Let's end on this and then you could go to bed and, uh, and I'll leave you alone forever because I've been bothering you a lot about this interview, and I apologize for that. 32-year-old Roger Huerta, if he could talk to 25-year-old Roger Huerta, what would he say? <laughs> What's the advice? I feel like you've done a lot of soul-searching. You've, you've figured things out. Here you are on a hammock in Thailand just living the dream, my friend. What would you tell that youngster? Um, I would tell that guy, yeah, it's all going to be good. It all works out in the end. It all works out. All right. Well, that's good advice. I think I could use some of that advice as well. 
Jian Yan, brother. <laughs> what is it again? Tell me. Say it one more time. <laughs> Jian Yan. Uh, Jian means chill out, relax. Chill and, out. Uh, in Thai. All right. Yeah, so get a little, chill out a little bit. Well, I'm glad we could catch up, Roger. It has been a while. I don't recall the last time we actually had, I mean, I've seen you at the events and it's always uh, very exciting. It brings a smile to my face. But the last time we did an interview, it's been a while. As far as interview, I think it was the first one. Oh, no, no, we did an interview, but no, I did an interview with uh, your friend. Man, Sean, the great channel, Sean. Sean. Yeah, he, that was fantastic. Yeah, he, I yeah. hope you enjoyed it. What's that? I hope you enjoyed the, the experience with him because I think he's uh, one of, if not the best in the biz. Man, he's, he's good. He's, he's an awesome guy, um, awesome conversation, and... Uh, yeah, but as far as interviewing with you, uh, Montreal, baby, hotel room, Montreal, <laughs> Montreal, this is number two. <laughs> and look at us now, you're in uh, Thailand, and I'm in a studio in New York. We've come a long way, my friend, and I'll always remember that. In fact, one of these days, I'll replay that interview on this show. What do you want to say? Anything? Uh, which? <laughs> oh. The hotel room interview. Yeah, um, yeah, that'd be that'd be funny. <laughs> okay. All the best to you, Roger. Thank you very much for the time. Uh, good luck on Ariel, September first. We will be watching, and uh, I'm happy to to see and hear that everything's going great for you. It seems like you've uh, you've put it all together, and that brings a smile to my face, as I said. So much appreciated, my man, and and keep on doing what you're doing. All right, brother. Cheers. All right, there he is. Roger Huerta, El Matador, they call him. Joining us from beautiful Phuket, Thailand. Way back when, prior to UFC 83, we, uh, we did this interview. It was fun. Ariane Celeste was there. It was good times. MMARated.com. Long live MMA Rated. That would have been a good uh, inside the vault for this week's show, but um, that's not what we chose. Anyway, always appreciated Roger. Remember, he was the guy who won five in a row in the UFC uh, in one calendar year, which uh, was a record. No one has broken that record, I believe. What was it? It was uh, John Halverson, Leonard Garcia. That's the shot that got him on the SI cover. It was Doug Evans, Alberto Crane, and then Clay Guida, a tremendous fight. Clay Guida, Ultimate Fighter finale, was outstanding. And then he fought Kenny Florian at UFC 87, and, and that's when things started to change all of a sudden. Remember, he uh, then lost to Gray Maynard and left the UFC, was a big signing for Bellator, and won one fight there, but then proceeded to lose four in a row in June of 2012, was soccer kicked, and it was just a gruesome, ugly, downright disgusting sight. Took two years off and came back last August to get back on track, won a, uh, a first round TKO over Christian Holly, and now he's back in action on September 1st. Speaking of Beltor, their lightweight champion is joining us in a matter of moments via the magic of Skype. Uh, his name is Will Brooks. And it was announced last week that he will be defending his title on November 6th against Marcin Held. That is a uh, tentpole event, as they like to call him. But last week, 
he was going back and forth with Patricio Pitbull for, for quite some time, also tweeting about some other stuff. So I wanted to check in with our good pal, Ill Will Brooks, doing his thing in Florida for uh, ATT. I wonder if uh, a lot of people were complaining about the stream. I don't know. Maybe it's better. Um, okay, it's better. They're telling me it's better, so I apologize for that. One guy is not a fan of my shirt today. I mean, we can't please all of you, my friends. Can you just give us a break? We're trying to do the best show possible here. First you complain about the live stream, then you complain about the YouTube, then you complain about my shirt. I mean, what is it with you people? Can't please everyone. So Will Brooks was the man, as you may recall, who uh, really wanted to fight Eddie Alvarez before Eddie Alvarez uh, left to the UFC. He was the man who defeated Michael Chandler twice. But it seems, and I want to clear this up with him, it seems like he's getting anxious to fight. You know, by the time he fights in November, it'll be six months off. Six months, April to actually seven months off. So... Not a, a huge delay. Prior to that, he fought in November, then May. 16-1 overall. One of the great young stars in the Bellator lightweight division, which has become a lot more interesting now with the signing of Josh Thompson. Bellator officially announced last week that Josh Thompson had uh, signed with their organization. And that's a, that's, a, that's a nice addition. Veteran, And, of course, we all saw it coming a mile away with his previous relationship with Scott Coker and after the third straight loss. Even though, you know, two of those fights were split decisions, uh, it just seemed like this was an inevitable signing, and that's what happened. Josh Thompson joining their lightweight division for now. Let us go back to the Skype machine and welcome in the Beltor lightweight champion himself, Ill Will Brooks. There he is. Will, how are you? What's up, man? What's going on? How you doing, man? So get adjusted, man. I just got home from the gym, dog. So I'm in a little bit of a in a, a hurry, you know. You got to catch your breath. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you're working with a bunch of lions in that in that American Top Team Lions den, you know. So it's never it's never a rest period. Who are you uh, training with today? Uh, Dustin Poirier. Oh yes, I've heard of okay, him. Okay, man, you got me. You got me over here name dropping and stuff already. Bro. Well, I mean, you brought it up. You know, it's uh, it's good to give props to your teammates. I didn't know that you were coming from yeah. training. I appreciate you coming uh, straight from training and rushing over. Oh, uh, no problem, man. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it, bro. That is right. And that's a good segue here because I got to say, Will, before your whole thing with Pitbull last week, it just kind of felt like you were just, you were very, uh, what's the word, a little ticked off. Like you were just kind of in a bad mood last week. Like something was bothering you, but it was all a little vague. Can we clear the air here? Yeah, man. I mean, I'll be honest with everybody. You know, I, I try not to, I try not to, you know, BS around with the fans and anybody who asks a question. You know, I was a little upset that it kind of took so long to make this Marcin Hell fight. Um, you know, part of my job is to compete. You know, and I was ready to compete a month ago, and I thought that we were going to be scheduled for August, and then. You know, Marcin Hell went and got married and went on his honeymoon, which is understandable. So you have to move the fight. And then I thought we were going to fight in September. And, you know, Marcin Held uh, continued to kind of, you know, keep this thing going where, oh, well, I'm on my honeymoon and now I can't prepare for September. And now they move it to October. And, 
You know, it's just that whole roller coaster ride. And sometimes it's frustrating when you get up, try to start a training camp, then they call you, shut you down. You get up and do it again, and they shut you down. And it was just a little frustrating because I felt like, uh, and I still feel like the organization should have stepped in and said, you know what, Marcin, we understand you have other things going on in your life, but this is your job. You need to step up and take care of your business. And I feel like they gave him too many free passes when he's not the champion. He's a contender, you know. So uh, why should he have all these free passes to continue to postpone this fight when, you know, he's the one that needs to challenge me, you know. And uh, it, it was a little frustrating. Do you feel like they would have done the same for you? Um, I, I would like to think so, but in all honestly, in all in all honesty, I I would have to say no because uh, I did reach out to some uh, some of the people in the background, some of the decision makers, and I, I asked them what was going on, and I tried to express to them that you know it just wasn't fair to me, especially being that I am the champion, and uh, he shouldn't have this room to decide on when he gets to compete, you know, and uh, it was just frustrating because I wanted someone to explain that to me, and I just felt like nobody was explaining that to me, and, you know, it, it is what it is. Now you're on a, quote-unquote, tentpole event, as, as they're calling them, like the ones with the big ramp, and they, they, they seem to push them more, do more PR, more media advertising. Is that a silver lining here, or would you not have cared? Like, you don't care if it's a small event, big event, you just wanted to fight. I just, I just wanted to fight, man. Mm. Um not just fight, but make a paycheck. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, seven months in between paychecks is a very long time to go, you know? And um, I'll be honest with everybody. You know, I've never been one of those guys to complain about the fighter pay. I understand the way it works. I understand that in order to get ma- in order to make more money, you have to perform. You have to go out there and earn it, you know? But uh, I think everybody saw my last fight, I made 72000 Now, what people don't understand is I didn't walk out with 72000 you know? I, after state taxes, coming home, paying management fees and paying gym fees and then paying my bills and uh, paying my own taxes that I have to pay, you know, um, I don't walk out of there with that much money. And that that money starts to dwindle pretty fast. It gets smaller and smaller pretty quick just because I do still live an everyday human life where things come up financially, you know. So waiting seven months for another paycheck is is very unfortunate, especially when there was no, I felt like there was no, there's no legitimate reason for it except for Marcin held pretty much just kind of duck in the fight. And, you know, the decision makers are allowing it that to happen. And, you know, that was, that's, that's frustrating to me. If you don't mind me asking, and I understand if you do, but since you brought it up, what do you end up with after the 72 and you having to pay all those people? Oh man, I couldn't even, honestly, okay. I couldn't even tell you that. I let my my girlfriend is way better with the numbers. <laughs> yes, I let her figure it all out. She literally like kid you not. My accountant tells me how much money I got to put to the side for uh, taxes and things like that, and then I let her deal with the rest of the percentages and all these different things. But I mean, look, it, it's not. It's money. It's enough to survive with. But especially when if you think about our jobs, we're kind of fighting paycheck to paycheck. If you really think about it, yeah. Until you're making. Like Anderson Silva money and his eight hundred thousand a fight, you know. Like now you're kind of like, oh, I could sit out six or seven months, but sure. right now I'm not, I'm not making enough money to be able to do that. And I'm not blaming anybody, but I still feel like there should be uh, there should be some understanding in that, you know. And especially when I reach out to you and as the as the shot caller, as the decision maker, and I reach out to you and I express to you that 
you know, I understand you got to move these fights, but at the same time, I have I have financial things I have to take care of, and moving these fights move my paychecks, and then I have to turn around and reorganize things, and that that's just not fair to me, you know. And I felt like uh, there could have been a little bit more effort shown, or something could have been done to help me out in regards to that, and nothing happened. Was this maybe a case of no other contender, you know, waiting to fight that that actually made sense? Did they not have anyone else? Did you suggest, hey, maybe I fight this guy, this would make sense? Did any of that happen? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely expressed that to him. I was like, listen, well, you know, he's a contender. He shouldn't have these uh, this ability to keep shuffling this fight and doing whatever. And uh, they, they, they let me know that, you know, bonding, he's kind of bound to me in a way, you know, because he won the tournament. Yeah. And then went out and he fought uh, Tyrus Sonofsky. And I believe that there was, it was expressed that whoever won that fight would get a title fight. So he ended up winning that fight. And on top of it, he won the tournament. So that's is legal. Is legally, he's supposed to get a title fight. This bottom line is he's still on that, uh, the contract that Buren has set up, so he's on the old contract, so they're they're required to give him the title fight. So I and I appreciate that. I understand that, but at the same time, he's not allowed to decide on when he's get when he gets to fight because he wants to go do personal things. Now, if he was if he had expressed that, oh, I I have a serious injury that I need to get up or get over, I understand that. But it was more like he was kind of like not answering phone calls, and his management was just kind of giving people a runaround and. I felt like Bellator and the, the, the people who make the decision should have put their foots down and was like, listen, we're not going to wait on you. Get it together and make this fight. So it was, it was just a little frustrating. Okay, so that gets announced. And then on Thursday, there's this back and forth with Patricio Pitbull, who's not even in your weight class. And what was weird about that, reading that was like, you were like, leave me alone, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk about this. Um, and then it kept going and it kept going and it kept going and, and you're like, please stop, stop. I'm going to do something to you. I'm going to, I'm going to slap you. And I see w- where was this all coming from? Uh, it was just, you know, I was, I was already on tilt just because <laughs> the whole dragging it out with the Marcin held fight. I was already upset about that. And I was trying to do my best with, uh, being understanding and being calm and collected and, you know, do that whole thing, you know? And then, uh, Patricio, I, 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 we've had back and forth before. And yeah. It was just fun, like kind of poking at each other. It was fun, you know, but at that time, he just caught me at a bad time when I was dealing with personal things and then dealing with this whole Marcin Hell thing. And he just caught me at a bad, at a bad time. And um, it was just one of those things where I had just lost it, you know, and I was a little, when I went back and looked at what I was saying and how it happened, I was I was a little disappointed with myself that I was uh, reacting the way that I was re- reacting and swearing and cursing and doing that, all that stuff. It was unprofessional and irresponsible on my part. And, uh, you know, it was just frustrating. But it was just a accumulation of things happening, you know, that just kind of got the best off me. And uh, I gave them free rent space in my mind. And, you know, I allowed that negative energy to get into me. And I, I just lost it. So does this mean when you see him in St. Louis, you won't slap him? No, this is not. This is not me saying that I'm not going to do what I said I'm going to do. Um, the one thing that I've been raised believing is when you are a man and you tell another man that you're going to do something, you do it. Um, either that be, like I said, slapping them. Either that be like anything in life, man. When you tell somebody you're going to do something, you do it. It, it means it, me apologizing to the fans for the way I reacted. Mean it does not change a thing. 
he's disrespected me several times now. It was it was overboard. It was totally disrespectful on his part. It was too much. And uh, no, I, I I stand by my word. When I see Patricio or Patricky, either one of them, I will slap one of them. I I promise you that. In regards to the way that I expressed it, with the cursing and the swearing and dropping the f bomb as much as I did, I shouldn't have allowed myself to get like that. But I will definitely stand by what I said. What is it about these guys that really bothers you to the point where you are saying that you're going to do this? Because you seem like a pretty, uh, you know, for the most part, a pretty mild-mannered guy. Uh, just because I, I think they're very disrespectful to this sport. I think they're very disrespectful to the fans. And uh, I just don't, uh, I don't, I don't like their character, you know, especially when, um, when I see them in person. Because I, I saw both of them in St. Louis when I was out there for the pre- this previous uh, St. Louis card. Neither one of them had anything to say to me. Mm. Um, I was standing right there, right in front of them. And everything that they say over these, these Twitter accounts and all these different things, they don't say these things. When they see me, they look down. Their eyes are on the floor, which it should be. They should be like that because they haven't earned that type of uh, respect for me to have me to make eye contact with me just because they're so disrespectful as human beings. And uh, But when they jump on these Twitter accounts, for some reason, they're extremely – loud mouth they they have a lot to say but like i said when i walk past him and this goes for a guy like uh michael chandler also these guys poke fun and they they do their twitter things but when i'm in their presence they look down at the floor when they see me walk by or they 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 do the the look i'm not going to make eye eye contact but i'll reach my hand out to shake your hand but these things are i don't like that you know if you're going to be this person that talks all this trash be this person all the time don't do this here on Twitter, but then when I'm in your presence, uh, I turn into something else, and I don't like that. I like real people. If you're going to talk trash to me, talk trash to me on Twitter, and when you see me in person, do it in person, too. Don't play games with me. I don't like it. Do you think it's possible that the Pitbull brothers aren't the ones doing the tweeting? Oh, no. I'm sure. I'm sure it isn't them, but I know who it is. I definitely know exactly who it is. I know what guy it is. Who is it? Um, uh, I don't know his name. Okay. Some, some little guy that like runs around with him. I don't know his name, but I definitely know. Who, I know his face. I know who it is, and um, you know, it's just again, it's unfortunate that these guys are allowing him to do this. You okay. know, like allowing the, him to go out and make them look bad and make them look so unprofessional. You know, it's his. It's his job to um, do the best he can to make sure that they look like professionals, especially Patricio, who is a champion and. When you are a champion, there's certain responsibility that comes along with that, and that's we are required to be professionals too, you know. And you can talk trash, but be professional about it. And that's what really frustrated me because he he brought a different Will Brooks out and uh, made me get all nasty and use language that I prefer not to use. Chandler, uh, when he was on this show right after his last win, said, "No doubt in his mind, he fought you on that night. He'd run right through you. Um, he's a better yeah. guy." He's put. Did, did you hear those comments, and do you think it's inevitable that you'll have to fight him one more time? I didn't hear those comments, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I, I think Chandler is one of those guys that he thrives off of excuses. Um, whenever he's met with um, whenever he's met with a hard task and he doesn't succeed, he kind of does this thing where it's, well, good for you, but this, or good for you, but this, and you did this, but this, and I didn't do this. And he's a, he's a, he's a, he's made of excuses just because he's lived his life with, I think he's lived his life around people who, who are kind of like yes men and 
people just kind of, oh, well, Chandler, it's all right. Uh, you didn't do that good today, but you're still the best. You know, like those type of people, which, you know, I expect that. I got coaches at my gym that understand that like, sometimes when you're not doing well, it's time time to say something positive and boost your spirits. But I think he's just an excuse maker. And what the guy that I saw that night, I'm not impressed by him. Uh, if you ever watch Michael Chandler, he's incredible when there's a guy that's standing right in front of him with his hands down, letting him throw his overhand right and letting him just knock him down. But when you see Chandler have to fight somebody who's got some athleticism, who has some explosion, he's confused, he's upset, he's shook. That's what, that's what he's going to be every single time he faces me. And it's only going to get worse. If he has to fight me again, it's only going to get worse for him. What about the Thompson signing? Because one, one could make the case that uh, if you do fight him in the near future, that would be one of the, the highest profile names that you fought just yet in your career. I'm assuming there's a long way to go, but given his history with Strikeforce in the UFC, are you excited about this? Do you feel like, ooh, this is a nice name that I could beat? This is a guy. How do you feel about the signing? Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't, I, and no disrespect to Josh. I think he's a, he's a pioneer of the lightweight division. You know, he's been, yeah. in this, uh, he's been in this sport for a very long time. He's done a lot of incredible things. He's a very explosive, uh, entertaining fighter. But at the same time, I didn't, I didn't feel any type of way towards it, you know, because at the end of the day, we still have to fight. We still have to go in the gym, train, and get ready to go compete against whoever steps in the cage. Um, so me thinking about Josh Thompson signing with Bellator means nothing to me. It's just good for him. He's able to co- continue his career and uh, continue to compete and make money in a, in a work area, in a, in a line of work that he chose. But other than that, I have no concerns of that. Uh, if we get in the cage, I'll be Josh Thompson. And again, no disrespect to him, but this is who I am. I have supreme confidence in my skills and my abilities, and I work extremely hard to be able to beat anybody. And that. That goes for Josh also. I noticed you tweeting during the Anderson Silva hearing. Um, and by the way, I, lo- I love your Twitter feed because you are brutally honest as you are in these interviews. And that's why I love having you on the show. And I'm just wondering, you know, we had Chris Weidman on, on the show, uh, you know, at the top of the hour. And he was saying like, yeah, you know, he's happy with the USADA deal in the UFC, but he wants to see some action. He wants to be tested more and things of that nature. How do you feel about Bellator's stance on drug testing would you like to see them do something like what the ufc did would you like to see more out of competition testing uh you know what honestly i haven't really given too much thought into that i um i actually was able to sit in on the meeting some of the i think uh force griffin and some of the other guys who run that whole thing came to the gym and yeah. set some of the fighters down and i was able to sit in on some of the some of that meeting and them explaining how things are going to work and all these different things. And uh, for me, I, I appreciate and I, I love the idea of what they're doing, but some of the aspects of, you know, there are some things where you have to check in and tell them where you're going to be, when you're going to be there, how often you're going to be there, all these different things. That part uh, really bugged me a little bit just because is we are, we're, we're adults at the end of the day and you cannot uh, treat us like children and tell us to pretty much tell you where we're going to be at all times and all these different things. If they were able to change that, I would support it a, a lot more than what I do now. Um, in regards to trying to make this a cleaner sport, I love it. You know, if they came, if they called my phone right now and asked me to go to the nearest bank and you know do a test, I would do that. I would love to do that. I have no problem with that. Uh, but I feel like there's a little bit more. There's a better way of going about it than making guys feel like they're being babysat and making us feel like children. You know. But do you feel like this is a big problem in the sport right now? It is. It definitely is. And, uh, you know, it's guys are starting to get exposed, you know, and uh, even 
guys that we don't even expect to yeah. be that guy, like Anderson Silva or Gilbert Melendez. And even though we don't know the depths of Gilbert Melendez's situation, but it's just it's just a breath of fresh air to understand that our sport is it's going mainstream. It is a little bit more professional, and there is a you get the sense that things are moving more towards like an NFL or MLB or NBA type of format, you know. And uh, it's just it's really nice to see that we're being taken serious, you know. Will keep doing you, my friend. I'm uh, I'm enjoying your evolution very much, and I'm looking forward to your fight on November sixth. Uh, you know, of course, I don't love to see you publicly, you know, complaining or being upset and things of that nature. I think there's a lot more to you than that, and um, and I think you're figuring that out along the way as well. But I, I I appreciate your honesty very much, and I always love having you on the show. So thank you very much, and best of luck. Thank you, man. Can I can I get a minute? One one minute, just because this is thing. such a big format. Do your thing. Um, I did. I I posted a video earlier. Uh, apologizing to my fans. There was a couple of fans that expressed disappointment in me uh, in regards to the way that I replied to Patricio Pitbull, and they had every right to be disappointed. As far as the language that I was using, some of the fans expressed to me that they have, they have smaller children that look up to me, and they do allow their children to follow me on Twitter and different things like that, and they were disappointed in the language that I was using, and they were expressing me that it was unprofessional and irresponsible on my part. And, you know, I just want to take time out to apologize to those fans because they are right. Uh, as being a champion and being a role model, we have responsibilities to carry ourselves professionally and be responsible at all times. And I was irresponsible with the way that I was talking and I should have been a little bit more professional. So I do want to apologize to those fans. Well done, my man. I will check out that video and, uh, and let everyone know that they should do the same as well. Again, thank you for the time and best of luck to you on the 6th. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Take care. There he is, Will Brooks, Bellator lightweight champion. Great to have him on the show, as always. All right. Here we go. Let's move along. We go from the Bellator lightweight champion to the man who will be fighting for the UFC lightweight championship on December 19th in Orlando, Florida, UFC on Fox 17. My good pal, Donald Cerrone, on the phone. Donald, how are you? I'm I'm doing great. Thank you for the time, as always. Are you at the ranch right now? Oh, yeah, just pulled into Whole Foods. I hope I don't get smoked in the mouth again while I'm walking across the crosswalk here, huh? What happened? Whole Foods? <laughs> I, had a, I had an incident like a year ago. Some dude just punched me in my mouth while I was oh, yeah. walking across the crosswalk. So I, I remember. Did you ever find out who that was? No, no idea. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the ranch because I just saw another one of your uh, video blogs, I believe shot by the brilliant Will Fox. And uh, yeah, this time, well, what's going on? You can't have a bonfire. What were you doing over there? I couldn't really understand what you were getting oh, in I trouble tore, for. Uh, I'm, I'm putting up uh, like five apartments over there at the house. So I um, tore down my barns, like and hey, I tore down the barn. I'm burning it. So you can't have you can't have a giant bonfire um, without a permit, apparently. So who so, who uh, who tattletailed on you? No idea. People probably people. Um, we were burning a bunch of weeds and stuff like we took out a bunch of weeds. It was like a bunch of black smoke. So someone on the highway must have. I have no idea. Who cares? Yeah. Anyways, I went down and got the burn permit and then ended up burning anyway. So it didn't matter. So what you're doing is you you tore down your um, one of your stables and you're building apartments for fighters. Is that what you're doing? Exactly in the roundabout way. Exactly what we're doing. You see, I keep tabs on you, Donald. I don't know if you know this, but I like to, I like to know what you're doing. Um, how, many, right. 
And, 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 and why are you doing this? You, you feel like you need to have more fighters around you so you don't have to make the trek to Albuquerque every time? Oh, no, we said it's just nice to have, like, right now we have 25 people at the house, fans. I have Paul Felder and Bam Bam here getting ready for the fight, so you got a bunch of, like, just fun, man, the camaraderie and training and having bullshit, and, like, now we hold up to the Whole Foods in the van, there's 18 of us or whatever right now. It's <laughs> crazy. You're like it's a bad. camp. Yeah, exactly. You don't like being alone. You want to be around people. Yeah, I love being around people, man, especially my close friends and brothers that go to war with me, you know, so it's a good time, always. But what about the fact that your fight is almost in exactly four months from now? You fought around two months ago. Are, are you going stir-crazy? How are you going to survive the next four months? <laughs> well, I got no choice now. All I needed was a date. Now I got the date, so uh, December 19th. Uh, you know, I'll do a lot, of, a lot of wakeboarding and screwing around. But it was funny because you, you came out with this news last week. You, you said in an interview that you're, you're considering going up to 170. I kind of felt like you're so close to the finish line here. You were just trying to, to force their hand. And, and lo and behold, like two days later, they announced your fight. Was that the plan? And did it work? I, I would literally call them for the last month <laughs> telling them that. No, I, I, I would have went to 70. It don't matter to me. You shit. Make no difference. So you weren't, try, you weren't trying to force them to make the fight official? No, I just wanted to go fight. So, so when you would call them, what would they say? No. <laughs> they said, just sit down and be quiet. <laughs> sit your head down and be quiet. Exactly what they say. So did you say, okay, no. I'm going to do some extreme sports because you're not, you're not booking me? Was it almost like a tit-for-tat type of thing? Pretty much. Pretty much exactly how it go. Why 170 and not just no. take another fight at 155? Oh, they definitely wouldn't give me 155 when I'm in line for the title. Okay. That was a immediate no, so I figured 70 would be the next thing. I could go and fight. I don't know. I'm just thinking stupid. Who cares? Yeah, why not? Okay. Why not? So, so, so let me ask you, over Twitter, um, not that long ago, and you're great on Twitter. I love the way you interact with your fans. Um, you, know, you, you insinuated that you thought that he was on PDs, that he had to cycle. So is this something you're concerned about? That, that, you know, no, he... I'm not concerned at all. I was just, just getting a rise out of him. That's all. So you don't believe this? Getting it right. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe he's working hard and doing what he has to do. I was just getting it right, just, just pissing him off, just getting a stir. You were just trying to get under his skin? Yeah, for sure. Just screwing around. You saw him, right? Um, Did, didn't you see him in Las Vegas in, uh, during International Fight Week? Yeah, and I was cordial with him and everything was fine, but then he like made a comment saying he's going to beat my ass worse than he's ever beaten you on death ever. So then I'm like, oh, okay, now you want... Now, once I walk away, you want to start poking fun of me? So, yeah. Let's go. So then, I, then I called him Frankenstein and told him that he did steroids. So he's <laughs> 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 diving back. <laughs> so he says he's going to beat your ass, which is what everyone tries to do in a fight. And then you go on, you went totally, you know, in a different direction and, uh, and went Frankenstein. <laughs> that really bothered you, apparently. No, I didn't mean I was just trying to really bother him. Like, so it was just, it made me more upset that he was like, laughing and joking and cordial with me you know on yeah. one hand and the right right on the other side so, so i was just like come on man so yeah. how do you feel about the fight being on fox title fight on fox cool why not great i don't care or you know that i'll fight on i'll be the first fight of the night <laughs> on, a, on a wednesday night fight card i don't care they're making a difference to me so fox will be cool excited pay-per-view cool uh, it makes no difference to me. You're fighting him in the arena in which uh, his, he suffered his last loss to Khabib. 
Do you believe in that sort of thing? Oh, wow, I got the gods on my side here. No, I didn't even know that. Thanks for filling me in. I had no idea. You, All I knew was, oh, wow, I'm fighting in Orlando. I get to go screw around at Epcot Center and Disney World and go wakeboarding on my wakeboard. And That's what I thought. You're a big Disney World Epcot guy? I uh, will be. <laughs> Have you ever been? Uh, last time when I fought um, Barbosa down in, in uh, Orlando, oh. we went. Yeah, so there you go. You fought on that card. You had maybe one of your best wins in this. I mean, it's kind of hard to pick one because they've been all very impressive, but great win for you. He lost on that card. I feel like there's some good mojo going your way. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. And so do you start your training camp from now, or is it too early? Um, I think I always train. I, I don't really have a training. I don't know. Um, guys are all here. Paul's down here. Bam Bam's down here. We're training. So I guess you could say I'm training. I don't. I don't know what camp is, but I just stay in camp all the time. Be ready. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Isn't that how they say it? That is how they say it. What about this? I mean, it's amazing to go on your Twitter. I feel like you have officially become the everyman's fighter. Like, people are toasting you no matter where they are. They're talking about drinking with you. How did this happen? How did Donald Cerrone become a fan favorite for the working man, the blue-collar MMA fan? I feel like you're their number one guy. I feel like that's the kind of guy I am, and I... I I work. I used to work. You call it work. Late Harbor, Florida. And so those are the people that I relate with. You know, go home from a hard day of work and they crack a beer. I can relate to that. Sunday, Sunday, barbecue and drinking beer with your friends. I can relate with that. So I feel. I don't know. Kind of on the, on the, I'm their man. When's the last time you laid some hardwood uh, floors down? Oh, just the other day in my house. Oh yeah, for yourself, but no, like on a job. Oh, call years ago, five, six years ago. You missed that life? But my new, like these new apartments I'm building, I'll, I'll build them. The only thing I won't do is lay the concrete foundation. From then on, I'll do all the electrical, all the, all the framing, the roofing, everything. So all the guys here at the house, they're out. They learn how to, how to build. It's fun. Wow. Do they have to? Teaching life lessons out here, Ariel. You know what? I need some of those life lessons. I don't know. I'd do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Would you imagine? Called, don't take life so serious and fucking drink beer and have a good time. <laughs> There's a free one for you. Guess what? I haven't had a, a beer in over a year. How do you feel about that? Well, maybe you, maybe you do other recreational drugs. No, I don't. As a matter of fact, maybe I do need to let loose a little bit. Um, <laughs> you do. Does it make you think less of me that I've never laid down any hardwood floor in my life? No. You don't look like the kind of guy that swings much of a hammer, so... Uh, well, I don't know about wouldn't, that. Wouldn't be... Now I'm offended. So, that wasn't by any, any means a sexual... <laughs> no, uh, no, guy. no. I was talking... You yeah. don't, you don't oh, think God. I'm much of a handyman? No, you don't. If I, if I looked at you across the bar and I said, I don't think that guy, uh, you know, is a construction worker. You don't really have, like... You don't really have the, the body frame. Oh, have you seen me without a shirt? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you know about the eight-pack that I'm rocking right now? I see, I, I see the shoes you're wearing. That's, that's a pretty good indication. So, uh, so if you did see me at a bar, what kind of guy would you say I am? Like um, a stockbroker kind of computer oh, guy. get out of so here. That, that's, that's kind of, stockbroker? So. I can't do math for crap. Well, you asked me a first impression. If I was looking at you, what would I think you were? That's, that's what you asked Okay. I know nothing of you. I just see you at the bar. I see you there with your colorful wing shoes, and I'm not thinking, you know, this guy's a, a stockbroker, computer guy. 
I don't know which no. stock markets you look at, but no, I don't see any finance guys walking around with winged shoes. Never know. Never know. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Maybe I have to work on my image a little bit. I think that's what I'm getting here. But here's what I want to know. You got a good. You got a good image. It works for you. Yeah, it works for you. I would never think you were a an a interviewer of the greatest athletes in the world. That that wouldn't have crossed my mind, you know. But uh, who knows? And so I guess the lesson here is. Don't judge a book by its cover. That's, that's, that's it right there. I would never and guess. If you see me at the bar and my boots <laughs> and my hat, you'd be like, look at this fucking hillbilly. That's what would come out of your mind. So don't judge a book by its cover. Hell yeah. You know, I would never guess that Paul Felder is a thespian. Did you know that he's a thespian? You know, I don't even know what a thespian <laughs> is. So He's an actor. <laughs> he had dreams of being in Hollywood. Oh, there you go. You got you got you got to speak in my language. Now, yes, I did know that. <laughs> it's, it's very impressive. He's great. I've seen his stuff online. He, he's really talented. Yeah. Were you proud of him in his performance against Barbosa? I know he came up on the losing end, but it feels like his stock went up after that fight. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is tough. He throws down, you know. Um, I was very proud of him, you know. Very proud of him. Good dude. Hey, one more thing about the Twitter thing. Did you have a, a conscious decision in your mind? Did you make a conscious decision and say, I need to show the world a little more about who I am because I feel like in WC days you didn't have this connection with the fans like you do now. Like, did you did you think about that? Like, oh, or maybe someone tell you that you should do it. Now it feels like you really got it down. I mean, if every MMA fighter can have a connection with his fans like you, I think they'd all be a lot more popular, make a lot more money. For you, uh, in the I, last I just, few years, something seemed to change. Like a growing thing that started, you know, and slowly. Uh, I don't know. I see what you're saying, but uh, not real sure. It's an amazing maybe thing. Have, maybe my 12 followers that I had in <laughs> WC days didn't, uh, didn't really add up. As of, as of now, I got a little more. I love it. It's fun to watch. When's the last time you watched your uh, first fight against Dos Anjos? Never. You've never, never watched it. it? No. Will you watch it before never the fight? Watched it. No. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Not don't one. care. Don't care. Not, nope. Don't even, don't even care at all. Not even a little bit. Like, uh, I watched it this morning. I don't watch film at all. I don't watch film on me, on the other guy, on any of my training partners, nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to I say... Got, I wa- I, go ahead, go ahead. What's that? I, I watched it this morning, and uh, I feel like you're a completely different person. Maybe just mentally. Yeah, mentally. You have Same a different, guy, yeah. different confidence level. Just feel the way you conduct yourself in the fight. I mean, you got rocked a little early in the fight, so it may have changed things, but it just seemed like a different Donald when you fought him in Indianapolis. Right. Do you recall I, uh, how you were then compared to now? Is that accurate? I, you know, I don't, I don't really know what was going on with all that, so... What do y'all just hold it around? Look at this beautiful lady got a whole table. I'm going to show it to you. Is that all right, sugar? You don't mind now. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, l- let's, let's end on this. How let's, do you move, th- let's, let's, move, let's move along. Okay. Move right along. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll let you go. I'll, I'll ask you one more thing, and then I'll let you go, all right? I know how much you love talking to me. But I love talking to you, believe it or not. Um, hey, what was the word again? A uh, 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 uh. A, thes- a thespian. He said, you know, Paul, that was a thespian. I said, I know what a thespian is. <laughs> yeah. 
What do you think that? What do you think it's going to be like when you get that belt around your waist? What's that feeling going to be like for you? What are you going to think about? It's going to be. Well, I'm going to take the belt off. And I'm going to give it right to my grandma. That's going to. That'll probably be the the highlight of my life. You know, she 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 wants that more than I do. So it means nothing to me, Ariel. I don't know how many times I have to preach this to you guys. No, shit means nothing to me. I know, I know you've said this many times, but it could bring a lot of things to you. Happiness, finan- financial stability, all kinds of things come with being the champion. Sure, 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 sure. I'm with you on that, and I, I understand that, but at the end of the day, I just want to get in there and throw it down, and I love it. It's like the funnest, funnest thing in the world. Will your grandmother be at the well, fight? Absolutely. And, absolutely. And you'll give her the belt, and it'll be in her house? Yeah, whatever she wants to do with it. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Oh, yeah. D- Donald, thank you for the time. Great talking to you as always. Good luck with the uh, the building over there. And let me know if you need an extra set of hands. I know a guy. Yeah, you think you can make it out, Ariel? I could just, I could, like I said, I don't see you swinging much of a hammer, but you could sure try. You'd be surprised, my friend. Yeah. All right, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to take you up on that. Bring right. the cameras out, too. We'll put you to work. Okay. For, you know, I'm not much of a camera kind of guy. I like to do things, you know, in private. But if that's what you want, that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Thanks, Donald. Appreciate it. Good luck to you. Yeah, later. Cowboy Cerrone joining us. He uh, is fighting for the belt on December 19th in Orlando, Florida. Finally, he gets that long, long-awaited UFC title shot. Okay, let us move along. Um, as we were talking about with Chris Weidman, very excited to have uh, our next guest on the show. Wanted to have him on the show for quite some time, but I feel like Now is the best time because we're a month into this whole new anti-doping era for the UFC, their their new efforts to to clean up the sport. A lot of change, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things happening. So who better than the UFC's vice president of athlete health and performance to come make sense of it all for us? I'm talking about Jeff Nowitzki. He's joining us on the phone right now. Jeff, how are you? Good, Ariel. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for the time. So you joined the UFC in April... How much did you know about the sport and, and where it stood with regards to PEDs when you were hired? Uh, not as much as, uh, as I know now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of sports in general, all sports, so uh, there's not a sport I won't watch, but really hadn't gotten in-depth into MMA and, and UFC specifically uh, until I came on uh, in April. So how did you even end up here? Crazy story. Um, my oldest daughter um, is a club volleyball player, and back in February, she had a tournament out here in Las Vegas. And uh, a former coworker of mine that I started off very early with when I was a special agent uh, with the IRS Criminal Investigation Division uh, went on to become the special agent in charge of the Las Vegas field office. And uh, so when I came out here in February, I looked him up went out and had a beer one night and he had recently retired and now is the vice president of anti-money laundering and compliance for stations casinos. So over a beer, we're talking about his new job and he talks about how his bosses, the Fertitta brothers also own the UFC. And uh, so one thing led to another and he had me uh, out of his office. I think that Monday met his boss, uh, who's Bill Young, uh, the former sheriff of Clark County and now current senior vice president of security for Stations Casinos. And so over, you know, an hour and a half, two-hour meeting with Bill Young, 
he starts talking about UFC and, and some of the issues they were having with performance-enhancing drugs. Um, so I left, went back home, and about a week later got a call from Bill Young saying, hey, how would you like to come out to Vegas and meet with uh, Lorenzo Fertitta, Dana White? They'd like to kind of bounce a few ideas off you, um, talk about you know performance-enhancing drugs, how it relates to their sport, and shoot, I'll always take advantage of a situation like that. So I took the day off work, paid for uh, my flight out on my own dime, had a, a good lunch meeting with them and, and talked about things about what I had learned over my career and what currently was going on with them. So I went back home and uh, about another week later, got a call from Bill saying, hey, they're interested in, in maybe talking with you about a position within UFC. And uh, a couple of them flew out and visited me in San Francisco. And next thing you know, they gave me an offer and uh, took it. And four months later, you know, one of the best decisions I think I've ever made. Love the people I work for and work with here and just awesome to be able to be part of something being, you know, built from the ground floor up and what, you know, based on my experience is the best anti-doping program, not just in MMA, you know, not just in professional sports here in the United States, but in professional sports in the entire world. So when you finally joined the team and, and you're sitting there and you're, you're really getting you know, down and dirty with the facts that are presented to you and you know, you're obviously having conversations and things like that, before July comes around, even before you know, the announcement is made about the USADA deal, what, what impressions are you getting about the state of, of PED usage in the sport? Are you thinking like, wow, this is, this is a problem, this is an epidemic, this is, you know, I got a major, major task on my hands here? How did you assess it at that point? No, not really. You know, I, in, in my previous career, I was exposed to PED use in, in all kinds of sports, all different sports. And so I don't, you know, after being here for several months, think it's a, an issue unique to the UFC or MMA. But what is unique to this sport is the importance, the importance of dealing with it here. Um, you know, Dana said many times, this isn't hitting a ball over the fence, you know, with a bat. Um, this isn't trying to tackle somebody down. This is two human beings, you know, getting in an octagon, trying to get the other to submit. And, uh, so I don't think the, the prevalence is, is any greater than, than other sports. Cause I've seen other sports where it's very prevalent, but you know, I think what is unique here is, is how important it is to deal with the situation. Okay, so was it your idea, given your history, given your, you know, your, your great experience battling, PD usage in other sports, was it your idea and, 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 and were you the driving force behind linking up with USADA? I don't think initially it was my idea. Uh, they had USADA on the radar uh, before I came here, but definitely when I got here, um, you know, I, I pushed them pretty hard. Uh, you know, I, I worked with them really back to the beginning. They were an entity that I relied on heavily uh, to kind of educate me on PED use on the anti-doping side of things, how drugs were detected. Um, you know, I saw them in action for 12 years, how they, they dealt with anti-doping and, and the high-profile cases they had. And, you know, I was exposed to, to them and anti-doping agencies are all throughout the world. And really, they're, they're the best that there is out there. Um, their record shows that. So, yeah, you know, when they relied on me for that experience and, and advice, I definitely gave it to them. One of the byproducts of this partnership, of course, has been the, uh, the the IV ban that comes into play in October. And I've heard from people who say that this was kind of 
an unfortunate byproduct. Like the UFC didn't want to get rid of IVs, but because it's banned in the WADA code, they have to adhere to it. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, the, the IV thing is something that took me a, a little bit by surprise. Uh, not necessarily on, you know, that the fact that the practice was banned and that it was used uh, in, in to defeat, um, you know, some anti-doping tests. I, I saw that kind of up front and center in, in some of my investigations, specifically, you know, in, in professional cycling where athletes were using it to defeat drug tests. What was surprising to me was the prevalence uh, of, of its use in this sport, not necessarily, I think, to try to defeat anti-doping tests, but for rehydration purposes, that and the extreme weight cuts um, that were going on. So, um, you know, that was a surprise. We're, myself and USADA over the last month, month and a half, have been working really tirelessly trying to, to put together, you know, as much information as we can for, for our athletes showing, you know, proper oral rehydration techniques, showing the dangers of, of you know, serious, severe, short-term weight cuts, um, and, you know, not just taking, taking the IV away from them, but giving them, you know, solutions to it. So do you feel like this is something that could be rectified? I mean, I, I know you've heard this from, from other fighters. You've met with other fighters. They're kind of freaking out about this, right? I mean, a lot of them are very uh, concerned that it's going to be unhealthy, that they're not going to be able to perform all that stuff. Is, is there no wiggle room here come October, it's out? Yeah, IVs come October 1st and in excess of 50 milliliters every six hours are going to be banned. Um, that's, that's a very small amount. No one would ever use that small amount to rehydrate. Um, so it is, you know, something that they're going to have to deal with and whether it means, uh, you know, walking around when fights aren't scheduled a little closer to that fight weight, um, whether it means, you know, which hopefully it does, is, is being educated through us and through others on how to properly orally rehydrate. What the studies and science show is that as long as the, the, high, the uh, dehydration isn't too severe, um, oral rehydration is actually better for you. It's safer for you. Um, studies show that you'll actually have, uh, you'll feel um, like exercise is a little bit easier and that you're exerting less if you orally rehydrate. Um, but, you know, I think the big thing is to, to avoid those severe dehydrations. Now, look, there are, an ex there are exceptions in the policy and in the WADA code that if you need to be hospitalized, you can do that. You can receive an, I an IV. You don't need a therapeutic use exemption. Now, the catch-22 aspect of that is if you're hospitalized the day before a fight, uh, you're going to have to inform, you know, the commission where you're fighting and your ability to be able to fight is likely going to be compromised. Is it easy to police this sort of thing? You know, um, Jose Aldo recently said, you know, I'm going to do it regardless. How, how, can, how can you know if, you know, a fighter just goes the night before a fight and does it? Yeah, you know, that's, that's going to be up to USADA, and, and I'm not a scientist, but in speaking with them, there, there are tests out there to, to help to detect it. Um, we use, you know, what's called a biological passport where over a period of time, uh, USADA will look at our athletes' blood and urine profiles and use of an IV would definitely affect an athlete's biological passport and that their blood and urine, you know, would be severely diluted during that time. Um, there's certain uh, tests out there involving plastics in blood and urine, which are present in IV bags. 
Um, and then there's always the case that under our policy and under the WADA code, blood and urine samples are frozen and retained for long periods of time. So, you know, even if there wasn't a definitive test now, you know, there could be two, three years from now. Um, and as often the case in anti-doping, they, go, they will go backwards and, and retest samples when uh, new tests come out. So that, you know, combined with what the sanctions are here under this program, as we get out and, and you know, go around and educate, we're asked these very same questions about, hey, well, can they really detect it and aren't people going to take the chance to do it? And really, you're, the risk versus reward under this program, I mean, someone found out to have taken an IV and you're facing a potential two-year ban, which is a long time uh, in the UFC and in an mm-hmm. MMA. So hopefully, you know, all those factors uh, put forth that, that everyone will adhere to these rules. I know you've traveled around and, and met with a lot of fighters, camps, etc. What kind of feedback are you getting? Because, you know, with, with great change comes a lot of questions, uncertainty. Some, you know, some guys will freak out, whatever. Are, are, are you feeling like the fighters are open to this new era, or are you feeling like more so than not they're very hesitant? No, the feedback has been uh, really, really good. Um, you know, in, in all aspects, there, there's definitely questions and concerns, IV uh, ban being one of them. Um, but, you know, I think as we leave each of these education systems, myself and, and USADA, who's, who's teaching them, uh, feel pretty, pretty good about the message, you know, that we're delivering and the comfort level from our athletes. Okay. Um, I know you were in attendance when uh, Anderson Silva met with the commission last week in, in Las Vegas. What did you make of that, that case, that particular case, the defense that he brought to the table? Yeah, it was, it was, it was tough to watch. I was in there uh, in the front row, and, and anytime you see an icon of the sport like that, um, you know, have to publicly pay for a mistake, it's tough. Um, I've had similar front row seats in a lot of uh, similar occasions, you know, yeah. and the congressional hearings were some of the high-profile baseball players had to do similar things. I've been in, in criminal trials where high-profile athletes have had to, you know, disclose for the first time mistakes they made. Obviously watch television shows. This is Oprah Winfrey where high-profile athletes had to do that. Uh, they're all really hard to watch. Um, you know, I think the only thing, good thing that comes out of them is, is a lesson, a lesson, you know, and obviously a lesson going forward for, for Anderson is he hopefully – continues his career after his year band and a lesson I think for all of our UFC athletes and it really is a teaching point that we can use as we go out and educate and in fact Friday uh, after that hearing I was out at the uh, ultimate fighter gym here locally and had a chance to sit down to the contestants on the season being filmed uh, here and and talk with them for an hour hour and a half about the program and that was that was brought up uh, quite a bit just to, to teach that lesson. So, I mean, that's really the only thing good that comes out of it. Absolutely. And, you know, I, as as I also said at the top of the show, I feel like his defense team did him a major disservice. I mean, it just seemed like what they were bringing to the table, their their story, just it didn't it didn't make any sense. And uh, then once he had the chance to to talk and defend himself, it was, uh, it was you know, it was kind of hard to believe the story with the friend in Thailand and, and the blue vial. I mean, were you buying anything that they were selling? Well, God, I mean, if, I, if he was, you know, coming up with a story, you could have come up with one that was, you know, less sensitive and private than that. So, sure. uh, you know, I, I would tend to, to believe 
what that story was. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that, you know, his expert didn't bring along with him the testing results or, you know, the actual product in question. Um, but yeah. I feel like I know what you're going to say here, but I want to ask it anyway. I feel like more often than not, I call this the Andy Pettit case. If you just come out and say, I messed up, I'm sorry, right off the bat, it's amazing how forgiving the public can be. No one ever talks about, you know, anytime you talk about Andy Pettit and his past, they bring up the fact that he came out, was honest, and he's accepted and still beloved by Yankee fans. And then when you bring up some of these other players or athletes that fight it and continue to fight it, everyone looks at them a weird way. Why do you feel like athletes have such a hard time doing this or understanding this? Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's, you know, it's living in denial for so many years uh, doing this. It's, you know, taking performance-enhancing drugs is a very private thing. Uh, it's usually, you know, in my experience, not something that's done in the clubhouse in front of others. Many athletes don't tell their family, their friends, you know, really no one knows about it. It's done in private, usually in the bathroom, in, in your residence. And, you know, when they're caught and brought to the table, it, it kind of takes a little bit of time to, I think, come to grips with, with what it was. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Just, you know, in the, in the 15 years of experience I've had in this, those that, that come up right away admit to it. You know, like you said, I think the public is very forgiving in this area. And, yeah, I mean, if I had to advise anybody, that, that would definitely be the game plan. Do you have any idea how many fighters have been tested since this came to play in early July? Uh, I don't. I mean, it's rolling out, uh, you know, a little bit gradually. Let's put it that way. Um, we are, the emphasis on the beginning of the program is, is on educating our fighters to let them know exactly, you know, what they're facing. Um, our whereabouts program, which is a very important part of the program, so that USADA will know where our athletes are and can go find them 365 days a year, uh, that's going to come online um, October 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has been testing going on. Uh, one you know, really great thing about this program is the transparency. So as it moves along in the coming months here, USADA will post testing statistics on the UFC USADA website. So not only will all UFC fighters be able to do it, but the public will be able to do it as well. You'll be able to get on there in a month or two and see exactly what the numbers are. By athlete, you'll be able to see each UFC athlete and how many times they were tested. And I think that's a pillar to a strong program is is its transparency. We're not hiding anything. Everything's out here in the open and really all testing decisions and adjudication of results are done by an independent agency, USADA. So they have no business interest in the UFC. Um, and because of that, you know, that's why we were calling it the, the strongest, most comprehensive anti-doping program in pro sports in the world. How often do the fighters have to check in? So the whereabouts program requires them once every quarter, so once every three months, beginning October 1st, to give their whereabouts for the next three months. And what that means is where they're going to be residing overnight and then a couple of regularly scheduled activities during the day. So we're advising, hey, when you go to the gym, put your gym down in the hours you're there. Um, athletes who may have you know, a second job, that would be one. Athletes who are going to school, that would be one. So it's not 24-7. 
but it's but it's every day and it's you know where you can be found overnight early in the morning and and a couple regular places during the day um, after and and I signed up for the whereabouts program and have been doing it for a month and a half I figure if I get out there and I'm you know, educating and, and telling our athletes, hey, it's not that hard to do. Here's what you have to do. I should probably experience it. So I've been doing it. And I'll be the first to admit, you sit down for the next three months, and it's very difficult to know where you're going to be two, mm. three months from now, especially with the schedule our athletes have. So after filing that initial three-month whereabouts, usually, you know, on your computer or laptop, you then, the athletes then have the ability to download a mobile app onto their phone, and so as the weeks go by, they can check in to see, ah, oh, where did I say I was going to be, you know, two weeks out and see, oh, you know, my, my plans have changed. And they can do an update via the phone, which takes 20 to 30 seconds. So really user-friendly. Um, but, you know, it is, it is an inconvenience, but it's, it's necessary. In order to run a good program and be able to test 365 days a year, it's, it's one of the sacrifices you know, that our athletes need to make so that they can tell, you know, the world that we have the strongest anti-doping program in it. What kind of feedback are you getting about that? Because you know fighters, you know athletes, right? I mean, it's hard. I have a hard time getting them to agree to come on this show at, at the right time um, to get them to, you know, sign up and, 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 and let you know where they are. I mean, they're, they're just sometimes all over the place. Do you feel like that's going to be the toughest part to, to police them on that? Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And, yeah. you know, USADA has gone through this already with um, with their population of Olympic athletes. Um, and so they, they definitely know the challenges. Um, you know, that's going to be a big part of my role. It's a balancing act between, you know, this program wants to catch the intentional cheaters. But we also, you know, have to have things in place so that if an athlete says, oh, I'm just not going to fill out, you know, my whereabouts or I don't, you know, it's not going to be accurate. I don't really care about it. We need to prevent that from happening. So in the program, there's what's called a, a three-strike rule, and it's three strikes every rolling 12 months where if an athlete uh, three times either didn't fill out their whereabouts or their whereabouts was inaccurate and USADA wasn't able to locate them, you know, they could potentially get those three strikes, and that would be a sanction under our program. Um, you know, what I'm telling athletes is I think my job going forward is when USADA calls me and said, hey, athlete A has strike one, you better believe I'm going to be on the phone with that athlete to, you know, rectify that situation. When I get the call that athlete has, uh, you know, A has strike two, I'm likely going to get on a plane and trail that athlete around for a day or two, making sure that they're filing their whereabouts, uh, you know, where they are. So that's going to be, I think, a big part of my role coming up when we go, you know, online with that October 1st. UFC middleweight champion Chris Weidman wanted, to, wanted me to ask you about what will be tested at a competition. Like when someone shows up to his house, you know, randomly before fight, four months before fight, is it blood and urine? Are, are you testing for HGH, EPO? Can you shed some light on that? Yeah, so out-of-competition tests, um, it could be either blood or urine. USADA will determine that. Okay. The substances tested for out-of-competition are your hard substances, so your anabolic steroids, your human growth hormones, uh, your blood doping drugs, uh, which cause more red blood cells to be produced, those types of drugs. In competition, and the definition of in competition under our program is six hours before the weigh-in till six hours after the fight, so really just those two days, weigh-in day and fight day. During tests taken during those, uh, those days, 
not only will the hard stuff be tested for the steroids, growth hormones, blood doping products, but recreational drugs there. Um, so the marijuanas, uh, cocaines and other stimulants, glucocorticosteroids. So kind of in reverse, those drugs, the marijuana, the stimulants, the glucocorticosteroids will be tested for under our program only in competition, only uh, the day of the weigh-in to really the day of the fight. Um, in regards to marijuana, because it's a question that, that we get often, the threshold for a positive marijuana test um, in competition is 150 nanograms per milliliter, and that may not mean a lot to a lot of people, but it's a, it's a pretty high threshold. And to give you an example, the WADA standard used to be, just two years ago, 15 nanograms per milliliter, so it's increased, you know, at 1,000%. Um, it's a pretty dry threshold. We can't advise, we, you know, we don't encourage any of our athletes to, to use any of these substances or drugs, but this program is not being put forward to play the moral police. It's to, it's to prevent, uh, you know, an unfair advantage. Um, in regards to marijuana, we can't, you know, we can't give a day or a time period that if an athlete was using that, when they would need to stop to stay under 150 nanograms per milliliter on an in, in an in-competition test different athletes, you know, process and metabolize things differently. Um, but it is a pretty high level. It's funny. I, my next question was just going to be about marijuana. So you covered that and I appreciate it, but just curious, you know, Nick Diaz is up next month. If you have a license in your state medical license, does, uh, does it change for you? I mean, are, are there a different set of standards for you then? And by, and by state medical, you mean a, a, uh, a prescription? Form? Yeah, exactly. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, there's many drugs under our policy which are prohibited that are could be prescribed um, by doctors. Um, you know, if they would give you an, an advantage in competition, you know, WADA's done studies over the years, and that's that's why they have the list, and they would be banned. Okay, so there's no exceptions? Nope. All right. Well, uh, I mean, athletes, we do have, you know, and, and state commissions have this as well, therapeutic use exemptions. Yeah. Um, you know, USADA has uh, a board of independent medical experts and physicians that if an athlete wants to apply for a prescription drug saying that, hey, there's a medical need and there's no other, you know, medical alternatives to using it, um, and that would outweigh, um, you know, the, the advantage they'd have in, in competing, uh, they could potentially get a therapeutic use exemption. Not only would they have to get one, through USADA in our program, but USADA and, and I would have to work with the state commission um, because unless the, st the state commission signs off on it, the USADA TUE is, is really worthless. So it would have to be through both of those avenues. I've never heard in, in my experience in, in anti-doping in, in any Olympic sports or anywhere else of, of a TUE being granted for marijuana use, but I don't know. It could happen maybe. Two last quick questions, and I really appreciate the time and the insight because, uh, as you know, this is a, a hot topic in the sport, and it's it's somewhat new to all of us. It's 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 part of the evolution of the sport, and a lot of misinformation gets thrown around. So it's great to hear it from the source. Um, my first question was, you know, Lorenzo Fertitta said uh, at the press conference to announce all of this that it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Do you agree with him? We'll see. You know, I look at part of. Part of my job and my role here is we're going out and educating is, is preventing that, not on how many positive tests we get, on, but on how many we don't. Um, you know, this, this program is meant 
to have a lot of deterrent effects up front, and, and we need to, to educate and pass that along um, to our fighters to hopefully, you know, stay that off on the front end um, as opposed to the back end. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a bit unprecedented in a professional sport to have, you know, a program this strong. Uh, my hope would be that, that even if there is an issue, that our population of athletes looks at this program and see how effective um, and strong it is and, and how difficult it would be, um, you know, to, to get away with it here and looks at that and, you know, is deterred on the front end from doing it. But, uh, you know, only time will tell. And up until this point, the UFC has done a very good job of working in unison with athletic commissions. But now you are putting out your own set of rules and punishments, guidelines, all that stuff. What kind of feedback, if any, and in particular from Nevada, who is the, you know, the gold standard and, and, and the commission that the UFC typically follows, especially when overseas and governing themselves, what kind of feedback have you received from the commissions? Are they going to work in unison with you now? Do you feel like it's going to get, you know, a little tricky along the way when you, 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 you enter a state that doesn't want to follow these guidelines? How's that going to all work out? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a work in progress. We've had very good communication, you know, not only with Nevada, but uh, with other commissions. Uh, in fact, CAB MMA down in Brazil is a great example that they have basically signed on to our program and said, hey, instead of us you know, in this game of anti-doping, which, you know, we don't really know too well. We're going to basically just adopt your program and, and USADA's program. I think what it all comes down to is, is look, we're all in this for the same reason, for, for, clear, for a clean, fair, you know, sport. And that being the case, since we all have the same motive, I, I think eventually, you know, all of us will get on the, the same page. I look at it as we're not trying to take over what the commissions we're doing are doing in terms of anti-doping. We're trying to supplement what they're doing so that when, you know, after a year of our program having been in place, we come to a fight in Nevada, we can go to Nevada and say, look, we've tested our athletes out of competition for a year. So in addition to, you know, what you want to do, um, your enhanced testing for this bout or testing on the night of the bout, here's our year's worth of tests that we've done. Uh, to show that our athletes, you know, are clean coming to a fight, you know, in your state. Tremendous. Uh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate the time and insight, Jeff, and I appreciate you answering the questions uh, as candidly as possible. I wish you the best, and hopefully, you know, in a few months, in a year or so, we can reconvene, see how things are going. It's a fascinating story. I said on UFC Tonight a couple of weeks ago, I think it's the story to watch for the rest of the year and beyond. Looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, what you do and how you clean up the sport, and how it all evolves. So I really appreciate it once again. That sounds good, Ariel. We'll see you around. All right, there he is, Jeff Nowitzki, the UFC's VP of Athlete and Performance Health. I should say Athlete Health and Performance. Um, but in the end, regardless of title, he is the man who has been appointed to clean up the sport, clean up the UFC, make sure everyone's, for the most part, on the same playing field. Tough, tough task, but uh, he certainly has the resume to back up his action. So we'll see what happens. A very interesting time, a fascinating time. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens and, and when this starts to really roll out, as Chris Wyman said, has not been tested yet. And you could tell that I really feel like October is kind of, I feel like July was the soft launch, but October is the real launch. And I'm curious to see what happens then when these, uh, when these random tests start to pop up. Interesting times. All right. Uh, one more guest to go. Uh, last week, speaking of uh, Twitter action, Will Brooks, we were talking about him 
going, uh, you know, a little bit haywire on Twitter last week. Um, also, a very interesting back and forth came out of nowhere. I uh, shouldn't say it came out of nowhere because it's been somewhat brewing for for the last few months. But it was interesting to follow nonetheless. It was between CM Punk, the, of course, former pro wrestler who is transitioning over to the UFC, going to make his debut in a few months' time, and Cajal Pendred. Spirited, very tense, uh, interesting to, to follow along if, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, they were going back and forth, and I thought it would be interesting to talk to Pendred about it. And also, of course, his... Uh, his fight coming up in Dublin in October. So here he is joining us via the magic of Skype once again. Kahal Pendred joins us right now in the MMA Hour. Kahal, how are you? I'm good, Arl. How are you? No smiling this time from you. All business. Oh, there it is. No, I'm smiling. I'm just, I'm, I'm actually just thinking there. It's funny you, you, you mentioned my fight coming on. But uh, we're not here to talk about that, really. It's well, Chick no. Magnet we're here to talk about. <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Are you okay with that? No, I'm completely okay with it. That's why I think Chick Magnet is great for the sport, and I think it's been a great business decision by the UFC to bring in the Magnet to the to the UFC. And you know, people want to hear about him. People want to see him. And because he responded to me last week, people want to hear from me now this week. So um, let, let's be upfront about it. We're here to talk about Chick Magnet. So, so this is interesting because one could say that whoever gets the, the CM Punk debut fight, I mean, that's like a lottery ticket, right? You're going to get a lot of media attention. You'll have a good placement on the card. You know, I mean, this is, this is a, a, a prime spot. Is this something that you want? Are, are you doing this to try to get that debut fight? Because if you look at your resumes on paper, I don't know if a lot of athletic commissions would sanction a fight like this because you have over 20 fights and, of course, he has none. Nevertheless, is this what you want? Is this what you're getting at here? Well, you're stealing what I said because the day he got signed by the UFC, I said the Chick Magnet fight was a lottery ticket. He he is the lottery ticket, and I think every every fighter should want that fight that's in the UFC. It's, there's a lot of money to be made, and and um, you know I'm I'm one of the guys that's in his division, so you know I definitely wouldn't turn it down. And if the, if it was a possibility, I'd be well up for it. And I actually think I'm I'm in pole position for it now because I think. Uh, like I said, most guys should be calling them out. Um, nearly every guy that that's in either middleweight or or welterweight has called the guy out, and he hasn't responded to any of them. Why do you think I didn't re- even call him out last? I Go didn't ahead. even call him out last week. I put up a, a tweet with a, a short clip of him hit, hitting pads, and I didn't I I didn't use his Twitter handle or tag him in it or anything. I just put the video up, and you know me, you follow me on Twitter. I'm as the Irish say, I'm always just having a bit of crack, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I was actually more ripping the piss out of myself than I was than I was CM Punk. Everyone knows my my uh, my stand up hasn't looked too beautiful in, in, since my UFC career started. And I, I just said, look, th- look at this guy. He makes me look like Muhammad Ali in the pads. So <laughs> I, I, I I was I was actually just taking, I was actually just insulting myself in a, in a half heartedly way. And then within minutes, which I never could have expected, because. Chick Magna has, what, two and a half million followers on Twitter. I didn't even tag the guy. Within minutes, he's responding to me and, uh, you know, insulting me and having a back and forth. I was having a great time with it, to be honest. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and, uh, you know, it, that, that just makes me think maybe this guy 
uh, is delusional as some of the fans that he has and actually thinks he could beat me in a fight. Um, so, you know, if that's the case, further down the line to tap that fight up, you're all over it. I mean, that, that whatever card Chick Magna ends up on, there's going to be plus million, million um, pay-per-view buys. Uh, and the UFC have done something really, really smart there. They know, if you were to analyse UFC fans, I would say between 80 and 90% of fans of the UFC have come or have been or are even still WWE fans. That's where their, their base fans, the majority of them, come from. So they're being really smart here bringing Chick Magnet into, into the organization. And I, I have no problems with the guy. I think he's great, for, he's great for the sport. He's bringing more eyes, more fans in, into the sport. And he's great for whatever fighters get involved in him. And, you know, Chick Magnet, thanks for tweeting me back last week. I didn't, I didn't tag you in it. I, you know, I was having a bit of fun. Thanks for having a bit, bit of back and forth, but he's definitely put me in pole position for that fight, and I, I'm down for it. If he, he he's one and done fight, like you said, I'm I'm way too advanced for him. But let's be honest, everyone in the UFC is way too advanced for him. He's coming in to the top organization in the world for mixed martial arts, the pinnacle organization. The UFC are the the NFL or the NBA of mixed martial arts, and they've done they've done phenomenal things in the last couple of years to secure that position they've had they've got the fox deal they've got the uh the reebok deal these things have secured them them becoming the in the position they are now they're the, the pinnacle organization and what chick magnet is doing now it would be the equivalent of, of a big star guy in in mma let's say for for example connor connor mcgregor is a big star now uh, in the UFC, and he decides he wants to play basketball. And the LA Lakers sign him, and he comes into the NBA. So, there, you know, he he's training away. He has to fight. He has to fight someone in the UFC. It would be like if if Conor McGregor became point guard for for the LA Lakers. As a, no, well, he's not gonna. He's, we're not gonna play any NBA level teams. We're gonna have them play against high school teams when, when Conor McGregor is playing point guard. That's not the, that's not the way it's going to be. The UFC aren't going to dilute their product by, by bringing some, some random guy in to fight him, to fight Chick Magnet. So Chick Magnet is going to have to fight someone on, on the UFC roster. He's coming in at the top of the sport. And look, credit where credit's due. My hat is off to, to Chick Magnet. He's, you know, that, that takes, some, takes some balls and, and he, he's coming in, he's, he's throwing himself at it. So fair play to him. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I want to know right off the bat, why do you keep referring to him as Chick Magnet? Well, that's his name, isn't it? Well, yes. He's, I mean... He, he, he's down on the UFC website as, as CM Punk, and CM stands for Chick Magnet. A, that's, I'm just calling him by what he's, what he's known as. Okay. Um, why do you think he responds to you? You know, as you said... A lot of people call him out. A lot of people have decided to take shots at him, but you know he he uh, he responded to you, and you've been doing this for for a little bit. Why do you think that perhaps you get under his skin? Um, I don't. I I genuinely feel like he's responding to me just because he thinks he might have a shot, or else he he just feels like he could maybe, you know, at least not die in there with me because you know. Honestly, I've seen a lot of his interviews since since he's joined, and I actually think he looks more scared now than he did 
I think he looks more unsure of himself now than he did when he first decided to do this. I think he's in the gym now and he's having a hard time and he's realised, no, I've, I've bitten off more than I can chew now. But he has to, he has to do it. He's, he's signed up to it. He's, he's publicly said that he's doing it. But um, I don't know. I, I reckon he just, he thinks Pendred is the way to go. And if that's the way he wants to go, I, there's a couple of hundred thousand reasons why I think it would be the way to go too. You you tweeted out that clip, a short clip of him, and I think you know, in all fairness, I think it was an early clip. But regardless, have you kept tabs? I mean, there is some footage out there on him now. Have you kept tabs on what he's doing, what he's saying, how he's looking in the gym? Is this something that you're you're interested in? And, and no, watching? no, look, I'm not. I'm not. St- I'm not stalking the chick magnet. I'll leave that to the chicks. I'm. <laughs> I anything I've come across is just you know me. I'm active enough on social media. If I, if I see something you know regarding him, I'll just have a look. But uh, I'm 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 definitely not stalking him. You so so it's just something that you happen to to come across. Where did you even find that clip? It's, um, I don't know. It must have been somewhere on Twitter or on on, on Facebook. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just saw it and I thought it was funny. Like I honestly, I, like I know. Look, I like I said with the tweet myself. I I was actually ripping it out of myself. My my striking has looked atrocious in the UFC so far. And you know that's why that's the type of guy I'm. I've no, I've no problem ripping it out of myself, but that that made me look good. And, and uh, I've seen I've seen um, you know boxer size classes where there was people hitting pads looking better than that as well. So I mean, you say it's early enough, but fair enough. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's better. I hope he's better for his own sake because, like I said, he's got to fight someone soon. He can't keep just doing interviews and, and, and media appearances for the UFC. He's eventually got to step in there and fight someone. So, you know, from from what I've heard, I, I'm not keep, keeping tabs on him, but I've heard he's training hard. He's he's, he's moved down to, uh, what's the, the Rufus' gym? And he's, Rufus Sport, yeah. Rufus Sport, yeah, and, and he's training there every day. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's gotten better, and I'm sure he'll be he'll be uh, in, in some sort of decent shape going into the fight whenever he does decide to fight. I don't know if you saw this, but does it does it bother you that people are actually debating this fight? Like, oh, you know, Punk maybe could be petty. I mean, the fact that again you have twenty or so fights and and he has none. The you know, I, I, if it's Anderson Silva in his prime against some guy making his debut, of course everyone's gonna be like Anderson's gonna murder him. But here we have some people that actually debate whether or not he has a shot against you. The fact that that's even a topic to debate does that bother you? No, that's that, that's even better. That makes it even more likely that I could, could possibly get him. You know, if there's people actually thinking that he could he could win the fight, you know, people are going to buy the pay per view and and uh, and tune in to see if if Chick Magnet can beat Pendred. So you know, I'm I'm happy enough with that. I'm I'm, I'm hoping eventually that that possibility you know could come to fruition. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but you know, a lot of a lot of these WWE fans. That's why that's the reason they've brought him in. A lot of these people are new fans. They're people who've never seen me fight. They're, they're people who haven't watched UFC, and they've just seen Jake Magna fighting or wrestling in the WWE. And they, off the basis of that, they think he's going to kick my ass. That's fair enough if they're that delusional. But that's the great thing. These are new fans coming in, and they're wrestling fans, WWE fans. That have never watched UFC, but they are convinced that Jake Magnet can can beat me in a fight, and they will buy the pay per view to see that happen, or hopefully see that happen. So that's the reason that the, the UFC have done this. So 
I, I you know that kind of highlights the point. I've even like it's crazy. Some of the I, I I've actually screenshotted some of the, some of the crazy uh, tweets I've been getting off the fans, the WWE fans. They're it, they're quite funny. I might put a few of them up, but like some of them, like you know, oh my god, Chick Magnet is gonna you know beat the crap out of you. Look at Brock Lesnar. He came in and was a was a UFC champion within three or four fights and stuff like this. You know, if you if, if these guys clearly don't have a clue what to talk about when they're even comparing Jake Magnet to Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was a completely different animal. But, you know, even, even though Brock Lesnar was a completely different animal, you look at the UFC, what they did, his first ever fight in the UFC, he was 1-0 coming into the UFC. Hadn't fought anyone you know, particularly great. But his first fight was a former UFC champion. Um, and, you know, the UFC weren't, you know, protecting him. Some people seem to think that the UFC are going to protect Jake Magnet and, you know, allow him to build up some sort of record and maybe go on a title run. But, you know, they're delusional if they think that's the case. The UFC aren't going to protect him. I'm, I'm pretty sure the UFC know that Jake Magnet is one and done. He's going to be in there. They're going to get one big card out of him. They'll get they'll put him up against some some fighter in, in, on the roster and he'll lose. They'll, you know, a lot, a lot of pay-per-views will be sold, but... It's a win-win. It's a win-win uh, scenario for the UFC, really. I mean, if Chick Magnet was to win, which some WWE fans think he will, you know, they're creating a new start. If he doesn't win, you know, the UFC shows. Look, this, this is the some of the best athletes in the world in in, in this sports uh, sports league, and and you can't just come in here after a year's worth of training and and, and think you're going to get a win. So it kind of you know, whatever happens, the UFC wins. So I don't think they're too worried about who, uh, you know, about giving giving Chick Magnet an easy road. So are you thinking I got to get him in his debut, or else I'm never getting this fight? Because you just said you think he's going to be one and done. So you got to do whatever you can to get him for his first fight. Look, I'm, I'm not. I'm not like. You're not. I would love to get the. Fight. It's 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 a lottery ticket. Like I said, I don't play the lottery though. I think the lottery is. The odds in the lottery aren't worth the money that you pay for, so I'm not a lottery person. I would love to fight if if it was possibly possible, but I'm not chasing it. Like I said last week, I didn't. I I put that tweet up and and uh, I didn't I didn't tag CM Punk or the UFC or anyone. I just put it up having a laugh, having the crack, and then, and then Chick Magnet came came back to me. So, you know I'm. Not, no, I'm not chasing this fight. If this if this was to present itself, I'm all over it. Like every single fighter in the UFC should be, because regardless if you're the number one contender or you're at the bottom of the division, this is a massive fight because whatever card that Chick Magnet is going to be on is going to sell one million plus uh, pay per views. So it, you know it's a massive. If, if you have any sort of intelligence, you know this is a fight you should take. So uh, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm all over. Do you regret taking that fight a month after 188, the uh, the John Howard fight? In hindsight, do you wish you didn't do it? Um, yeah, I've thought about that a lot, but I just it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. It it, it was a great card. Um, I I was uh, it, it was a fight I, I felt confident in, and you know I, I thought John would bring the best out of me, but in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have. But I, I don't I, I I won't regret it at all now. Was it different? If, if the if, go ahead, go sorry. sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, if I was offered it again, I would have said yes. It was, it was too big of an opportunity. I respect you saying that. Um, 
was it difficult for you after the fact? I mean, Connor wins. It's 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 a lot of jubilation, a lot of happiness. You know, people are very excited. Culmination, and you just suffered your first UFC loss. Was it was it hard? I know you were happy for him as a friend, but you're upset because you lost. Was that was that a tough night? I have to say, it was one of the most strange, emotionally. It was one of the most strange. Yeah. Uh, you know things that I've ever gone through. Obviously, I'm, you know, I hate to lose, but, you know, before even I got into MMA, losing is just something I hate. And then my first UFC loss on this massive card, um, and just not being happy with my performance once again, and feeling I didn't show up. I was disgusted with myself, and felt completely down. And then, and then I go, you know, went into the back room, kind of chilled out for a bit, and then, I kind of just realised look, one of one of my close friends who I've been training with since you know, me, myself and Connor have been training since before we even turned professional. We were, you know, we've come up through the ranks together. He's fighting for a UFC title, so I got myself together. I went outside and and um, you know, I stood in one of the tunnels, you know, where the fighters walk out, uh, watch the fight, and I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, there was a, there was tears in my eyes when 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 Conor Hand got raised and the belt got put put around him. It was it was a phenomenal night for for not only our country and our team but um, you know Conor himself. So it was amazing and so it went from literally the lowest of the low to to the highest of the high. Just being so proud to to be his teammate and to have seen him gone from where he, where he was to where he where he is now. So it was amazing. Then on top of that, afterwards, all the team got together. We got into the dressing room, and who walks in? Only my childhood hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, so that was pretty pretty amazing uh, yeah. to, to kind of sugarcoat the whole night. Uh, got a little selfie with, with, with my <laughs> childhood hero. That was amazing. Um, so it was, it, I, it was a strange night, but I suppose if it was to ever take a loss, it's nice to... Uh, it nearly eradicated it, I suppose, in a little sort of way, just to see something like that. Yeah, perhaps uh, it all happened for a reason. It helped ease the blow of the first loss in the UFC. And, uh, of course, afterwards, when the dust settled, I'm sure you were equally upset, still probably upset right now. So you return in October. You return against Tom Breeze. Uh, this is the, the big return to Dublin. I know tickets are going on sale very soon. But you did mention that... Uh, you, I don't know if you were joking or not. You said you wanted to take six months off to to take a boxing match to improve your striking. Was that a joke? Were you having a laugh? No, no, that was a serious. One. I actually was I was investigating that possibility, and you know, I was in contact with different gyms and stuff, and and uh, I was kind of putting it into works. It wasn't that. It wasn't the immediate. I I knew the the UFC was happening in October, and I, you know, there's no way I would miss out on the UFC event in in, in Dublin. I was gonna, I was planning on fighting that. And then taking six months out, it's something that's been, always been on my bucket list. Regardless, even you know, I, I've always wanted to just take professional boxing fight, but um, it's uh, apparently it's not possible. My UFC contract, it's it's uh. not going to happen. So it's something I got to put on a long finger. But definitely uh, at some stage, even if I'm 45 years of age, I'll I'll, I'll do a James Tony and jump sports and, and get a and get a fight in. Uh, we just had Jeff Nowitzki on the show talking about PEDs and all that stuff. Now you have fought two guys who are on PEDs. Mike King, mm-hmm. Dodger Montano. Do you feel like this is a, a pretty serious problem? Or does it, like, what, what kind of a reaction does someone have when you say, I was just in a cage with a guy who was cheating? 
Um, yeah, look, it's I'm not I'm not gonna uh, sit here and tell you it's, it's it's a problem exclusively with MMA because uh, it's it's not it's a, it's it's a part of all sports. But I think it's more important to eradicate and make sure that 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 people aren't on on, on PEDs in combat sports because you know. As, as much as we like to say this is a safe sport, which it is, it's safely regulate, regulated in, 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 in as, as much as possible. But I think the PED side of it needs to be more regulate, regulated. And I think the steps that the UFC have taken now, bringing USADA in and, and you know with the random testing, that's going to make it a lot safer uh, for us as fighters, which is the most important thing. Um, so you know, I'm I'm delighted as a clean athlete. I'm I'm delighted to, and I can't wait for the uh, for these guys to be knocking down my door at six a.m. to to you know pee in a cup. You are, and we've talked about this somewhat of a polarizing figure in the sport. Coming off your first loss in the UFC, is October twenty fourth do or die for you? Um, every every fight is a must win fight for me. Um, so I suppose. It, uh, if you're looking at it from the outside, maybe that's the way you're thinking. I, this is this is a must-win fight. It's it's I'm I'm at home. I've never fought in Dublin and uh, not won. You know this is this guy is coming into my fortress. I've got a nation behind me. There'll be ten thousand screaming Irish behind me, and uh, you know that that it doesn't matter that much to me. I, I would, I'd still want to win if there was was zero people there and and, and I was just doing it for myself. But but to have that extra pride and it. it just it just makes me want it even more and i think <clears throat> i think this guy is is um i i think i think this guy's a good prospect but i just think he, he's he's jumped in too far too soon uh he's coming up against a seasoned guy like me i've I, i've been i've been um i've been very disappointing in, in in my ufc career so far and that's by my own standards but i've had some issues that i didn't even i didn't even know about up until after my last fight and i and i've uh I, I, they've been identified now, and thankfully with the UFC insurance and stuff, I've been able to uh, uh, sort out those issues. And, like what? And, 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 um, just just the health issues that uh, that that have occurred in my training, and and uh, I had a I, I had a fractured vertebrae um, oh. for for my last two fights, and um, I've been able to I've been able to get that sorted. I'm, I'm just back training this week now. I've been out for the last while, just rehabbing that. It's not as bad as it, as it sounds. It sounds horrible. Um, it sounds very bad. <laughs> I, I I could do a, I could do a Mike Tyson right now and tell you I, I broke my back. Sure. And you could you could ask me what sort of what sort of injury was it? Was it a vertebrae? And I would say, yes, yeah, it's, it's spinal. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. It sounds like you don't need surgery for something like that. No, apparently not. Apparently, it's not. When I first got told what it was, it was like I was thinking, "Shit, I'm out for two years or something." But it's 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 not as bad as it sounds. And uh, I'm back training. I'm back training now from this week. It was just doing rehab work and staying on. T- I had to do spinning classes and stuff for the last. That was the only form of exercise I could do for the last couple of weeks. They're actually. I don't know if you know what spinning classes sure. are. Yeah, on the bike. Yeah, on the bike, man, they're a killer. <laughs> and, <laughs> I actually might heat them up for my camp. They're pretty, you know, it's a nice way to start off the day. You get up and they put on some, some cool techno music and you, you blast out <laughs> in, the, in the spin class. So I might keep that going. Well, uh, as they say in your neck of the woods, uh, the crack was 90, Monchara. 
Mokara. Mokara. Okay, I'm learning. Um, <laughs> uh, enjoyed having you on, Kahal. It's uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a slow process for me learning the lingo over there. It's a whole other world for me. No, I love I love the ear getting involved. We're gonna have to, you know, there's an, there's a, there's a region in Ireland, in Ireland called the Gael talk. We'll have to bring it in. They speak Gaelga. Oh yeah, solely. Yeah, we'll have to bring it in there. One of these days. For now, uh, we say goodbye. I wish you the best on October 24th. Big fight for you. Uh, looking for a big performance. And, uh, well, good luck with whatever you're trying to do with uh, Mr. Punk. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm not trying okay, to do anything. Okay, fair enough. Although you did send him the tweet. I have a lot of take it. If I win, I, I win. If I don't, I don't. There it is. All right. We'll leave right. it at that. Take it easy, Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. There he is. Kahal Pendred stopping by. Uh, clearing the air to a degree about uh, his back and forth with CM Punk last week. Interesting. I, I think the, the most interesting thing of the whole thing is that people still talk about, you know, what would happen in this fight? And uh, apparently he doesn't get offended about that. I could see someone getting offended, but he doesn't. So we'll see what happens. Speaking of the Irish, today is the Second year anniversary of the launch of Fox Sports 1. It was on this day in 2013 that Fox Sports 1 was launched. And the big, the big draw on that day was a UFC event in Boston, headlined by Chael Sonnen versus Shogun Hua. That was the big draw. That was the way Fox Sports 1, who I work for very proudly, uh, was going to roll out the red carpet for the world to see. And uh, Chael Sonnen, who was also an employee of Fox Sports 1 at the time, he stepped up to the plate big time. He submitted a Shogun. Uh, he he uh, he unleashed a killer promo afterwards for Fox. It was just great. I mean, they couldn't have scripted it better. And it was a fantastic card. Remember, Travis Brown, Alistair Overeem, uh, Uriah Faber was on the card. Joe Lozon was on the card. But uh, perhaps the fighter that got the most attention leading up to that card was Conor McGregor. Remember, he was supposed to fight Andy Ogle. Ogle... Uh, got hurt. He was replaced by Max Holloway, which is interesting to note because Max Holloway is fighting this weekend in his first UFC main event against Charles Oliveira this Sunday in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I still can't believe the UFC is going to Saskatchewan. I don't know why. Um, I'm very happy for the people of Saskatchewan. I just never thought they'd go there. Anyway, um, this was uh, an interesting fight because it was McGregor's second pro, excuse me, second UFC fight. He had just defeated Marcus Brimage in April in Sweden. Comes back in Boston, and of course, the Irish connection in Boston was, you know, was 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 an obvious. It was it was very smart to put him on this card. Even had his own media day at uh, Peter Welch's gym, and he was on the undercard. He was on the Fox Sports One undercard, but it wasn't the main card. It wasn't the low to main card. He was pretty low on the card, maybe like the. I don't know, fourth or fifth fight, something like that. And uh, despite that, they gave him the uh, the main event walkout treatment. You know what I'm talking about when they follow the fighter from the locker room and they turn down the lights, all that stuff. It was a great scene. The crowd certainly treated him like a star. They loved him over there. And of course, he would come back shortly thereafter and main event a show against Dennis Seaver. And then he really felt like a star and of course was the main event as well. He was, uh, just for the record... He was, at the time, he was 13-2 and two going to the fight. He was the second-to-last fight on the prelims, so to speak. So one, two, three, four, five, six fights in prior to the McDonald-Pickett fight. Then there was Michael Johnson, Joe Lozon, John Howard, Uriah Hall, Mike Pyle, Matt Brown, Uriah Faber, Alcantara, 
Overeem, Brown, Chael, Shogun. Fantastic debut for the UFC on Fox Sports 1. The ratings were great, but again, the big story going into that fight for many people was Connor's second fight, and the big story going out of that fight was Connor's second win, but also what was going to happen to his injured knee. He talked about feeling a pop. He talked about being disappointed that he wasn't able to get the finish, but we didn't know just how severe that knee injury was. That's the only fight of his that went the distance in the UFC, and of course he injured the knee midway through the fight, but we didn't quite know. We would come to find out that he required ACL surgery and would come back, what, 11 months later to defeat Diego Brandao in Ireland. So he was out for some time, but did a fantastic job of remaining relevant, keeping himself in the news via interviews, Twitter, and all that good stuff. So anyway, on this two-year anniversary of that debut on Fox Sports 1, I wanted to look back at our post-fight interview with Conor McGregor in this edition of Inside the Vault. It was, uh, it, it's really interesting to, to look back at what he was saying, his demeanor, everything coming out of his mouth just exactly two years ago and where he is today. A fascinating look back, not that long ago. Usually inside the vault, we like to go, you know, four or five years. This time we're going two years today, August 17th, 2013, Boston, Massachusetts, TD Garden, my post-fight interview with Conor McGregor. Here it is. Ariel Helwani post-fight at UFC Fight Night 26 alongside Conor McGregor, who just defeated Max Holloway. And Conor, congratulations on your second UFC win. A lot of pressure on your shoulders going into this fight. Whether you wanted to admit it or not, were you happy with your performance? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy with the result. You know, I wanted to finish, but um, what, what do you mean what I'm happy to admit? I admit it. There was no pressure on me. I felt no pressure. I'm admitting it. People were putting pressure on you. You may not have felt it, but it felt like there was pressure being put on you. You didn't feel any of it. No, I just, I just listened to my team, listened to my training, listened to the people in my circle. Everyone else, they don't exist, you know what I mean? I, so that's, that's why I have confidence all the time, you know, because I know the training I put in, I know what we do back home, I know, I know the support I have, you know, and I just go with the flow, get in there, do my thing. I really wanted to finish. I can't stress that enough, you know, I'm here to, fin- I'm here to put people away. Every single one of them is in danger with me at all times of the fight, you know, but it is what it is. I, got, I, I, I injured my knee and fuck it. Do you, think you'll, do you think you'll need surgery? Is it that serious? I honestly don't know. It just felt steady. I just felt unsteady. It was a big pop when I was just passing into side control. He bridged and rolled and he had my foot and I just heard a pop into side control. I went and then whatever happened, we scrambled back to the feet and then I literally knew it was, it was unsteady. So I just had to readjust. I tried to f- play around. I threw a little side kick, tr- threw some shots. But any time, it was, it, was, it was wobbly. So, um, fuck it. What can you do? I'll get, I'll get it again. You've been the story all week here in Boston. Did you notice that you got a main event type of walkout? They followed you from the locker room with the lights down and everything. Did you notice that? Yeah, they said, they said, because Max was a little bit ahead of me, and, and then the guy, uh, the guy came up, no, no, Connor, you're going to walk back here. And I said, yeah, like champions. So I knew, you know what I mean? I feel like a champion, no? Honestly, man, put me in with anyone, anyone in the world, and I'm, I'm, da- I'm dangerous for them all. I'm just looking for my uh, time to prove it, and it will come. You know, there's been some talk that you want to fight on the Manchester card coming up in October. Is that accurate? And if so, against who? Um, well, well I, I never said that. There's this, this thing. I said it. I didn't say Jack Shea. If anything, I'd probably rather fight in the Vegas card, December 28th. Viva Las Vegas, you know what I mean? Big, but fuck, I'll fight in Manchester as well. I, I don't, look, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to go back and think and see what the story is with this leg and see the Don Juan and tell him I'll get the finish next time for him. 
You took a very big step after the Brimage fight. Do you feel like you took an equally large step after this fight? Um, I feel on, the, on top already, so I don't know. I, can I go further than number one? Because I feel like I'm number one already. If you can go further than number one, well then, I went further. So December 28th, title shot? Well, if, if, man, tomorrow night, right now, title shot. You know what I mean? December 28th, title shot. Of course I'll take that. I'll take an, an, anything, you know what I mean? Just... I stay ready, like 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 I say, you know. Stay ready, so not to get ready. I'll uh, I'll wrap this bad boy up and come back as soon as. Final question: We have a lot of uh, Irish fans, yeah. a lot of them waiting for this interview. Our first in person together. Yeah. Anything? Um, yeah, it's nice to meet you. It nice. is a pleasure. I like to check with the with the blazer. I, I, I like that look. You're gonna see my one now. Hopefully, if I get to show at the press conference, you're gonna see a real tree piece. You know what I mean? You're gonna see style. So tune in, take notes. Anything you want to say to them? Dude, the Irish fans, man, I, I I can hear the place rumbling. I'd say I'd say it's I'd say it's crazy back home, and I look forward to getting back home, celebrating this with my countrymen. You know what I mean? I carry that tricolour high, and that's another reason why I want to get in there and show them we are not to be messed with. You know, we are a fighting nation, and we can we can do it. We can we can more than do it. You know what I mean? So I hope I hope my uh, countrymen are proud of me. Thank you, Connor. Get well. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Thanks so much. So I know that was just two years ago, but that's the kind of stuff I, I talk to people about when I say Connor is the exact same guy. Like we want to believe that he has changed, that he sold out the suits, the Louis Vuitton, all that stuff. And I know that's, that's UFC Connor. That's not cage warriors, Connor or, or anyone before, but he's saying the same thing. He has the same confidence, the same demeanor, the same aura, everything. It's all the same. It's, it's pretty amazing how consistent he is. Um, and, and how and how confident he was in his abilities. Even back then, Tuna in the UFC saying, give it to me all. And, of course, he didn't know how serious that knee injury was, but it's, uh, I mean, you close your eyes and you listen to that, uh, a few things here or there, little minor things have changed. But for the most part, he is spitting the same exact game that he was back then, which I think is important to note and, and pretty remarkable considering how far he's come in a very short amount of time. All right. Let us uh, go to your questions and comments now. Uh, I know some of you have complained that we don't uh, devote enough time to this as of late, and that's not because I don't want to. It's because there have been so many UFC events, so much going on, that I always keep adding more and more guests because I feel like, oh, I need to talk to this person. I need to talk to this. It's not that I don't want it. I mean, back in the day, we'd go as long as possible, but now that we have the, the heart out, certain things get, uh, get sacrificed. But today, less guests, more time to talk. Mr. New York Rick, are you there? I'm here. The people demand the New York Rick time. They, they I don't need know if it. it's so much the New York Rick time. No, I, think, I think it is. I think it is. Um, speaking of demand, I feel like for What's those up? that have uh, stuck with us on this uh, particular show, uh, can, can we explain why the technical difficulties at the top of the show? I feel like they demand an explanation. They are owed an explanation. Can I explain them? I mean, I don't... Uh, Just from your vantage point, you're back there, you're seeing what's going on. What can you tell us? Uh, uh, I thought the days of, uh, you know, technical difficulties were over once we moved over to YouTube. No, well, no, 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 no. We're still in beta with YouTube. Okay, fair enough. Um, so uh, I think there was, a, there was an issue with the stream. Not sure if it was uh, on our end or, or YouTube streaming, but Sync was uh, out and now it, was, it is back. It has been uh, pretty steady. For the rest of the show. Pretty steady. Not 100% steady. There were some outages here and there. No, it, uh, since, since we fixed it, it's, since it's it been rectified. steady. Um, and how does this affect, if, you know, for those that 
miss the Weidman interview or couldn't really get the whole thing? How does this affect the replay? Do you have any idea? We're going to put it back up. Um, oh, the replay wasn't affected. The, the on-demand portion. Yeah, the uh, if you're panning through the show right now, um, it may it may be affected, yeah. but we will uh, upload a new file at some point, and okay. you'll be able to sh- see everything. And oh. we'll also, as usual, have our clips and you know the uh, the full audio replay and and all that stuff. So you didn't miss anything. We will get it to you, and we'll get it to you as quickly as possible. So if you're freaking out that you missed something, in the end, you won't miss anything. Have no fear. All right. Um, and it is not it is not just me in the back here. There's a whole team. No, I know, but it. you're kind of the spork the spokesperson. But I want them to know that the yeah. whole team has their back. I do nothing. New York Rick is uh, I know. is just a vessel. Perhaps that's the problem. <laughs> that you do nothing. Um, that's uh, that's unnecessary. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you do a lot. But uh, that being said, it was frustrating. You know, here's the thing: the fans they say, "Oh, I'm not watching your show." Like they're so. It's so dramatic. I mean, do you think that we want to put on a show with a bad stream? You know what I mean? I don't get these ultimatums that they throw out. Do you think it makes it better by you uh, threatening to never watch a show? You know what I mean? Sure. Like, what is this? Why, why does it have to be so dramatic? Why does it have to be so absolute? Anyway, I'm glad we figured it out. Yeah, let's, mo- let's move, move on, on to, no, to no, the I, positives. I like to harp on these things. Sort of like, you know what really bothers me? I'm, I'm such a germaphobe, and I wash my hands. I take a lot of paper towels. I then go to the thing you know the handle i was just in the washroom and then i touched the freaking handle so now i have to go back wash my hands again touch it again go back a third time that's what just happened do you realize what just happened three times i had to just wash my hands so i need some good questions to uh, lighten the mood a bit what do you got let's start with anderson silva's fiasco do you think he will ever fight in the ufc again after his nsac hearing fiasco and losing all the credibility he had left i'm very skeptical that he fought clean all his career when he was never tested out of competition and how he began to crush people in his 30s when most fighters are on all on their downslope. Thoughts? Well, you know, I don't want to do a revisionist history. But, I mean, you, you do bring this up and why we are allowed to even bring this up and discuss this, which I think is fair, is because he said it himself. This was the first time in his career that he had been drug tested outside of fight night. In my opinion, that puts a black cloud over his entire career. You know, if someone else gets popped tomorrow... There's nothing new with Anderson, but if someone gets popped tomorrow that had a great career and said the same thing, I would feel the same. How, how can I not feel the same? The first time you've ever been tested out of competition, you test positive, and then, with all due respect, that's your alibi? Come on. My friend in Thailand that I just met, I mean, that was the worst defense that I've ever... And even if it was true, even if it was true, bring your friend. Tell us what the name of that company was. Show us the vial. Show us what you took. Where, 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 where is where's the back? Where's the facts? Where, where is everything? Well, this is your reputation, my man. This is your career. This is your legacy. If you don't care about it, if you don't care, and, and let's, be, let's, be, let's be fair. He didn't bring the, uh, the initial translator, the woman. That was provided by the state, right? He did have Ed there, and that's fine. But if you just look at the back and forth that they had initially when they asked him about, you know, can you explain why you took this unmarked vial? He gave her like a one or two word answer. He couldn't have said much. And then they came back after the recess and said, you know, that's not what he meant. He wanted to explain, blah, blah, blah. I feel like someone got in his ear and said, look, man, we got we to gotta defend ourselves here. We got to talk. And did they not talk about this beforehand? I mean, the whole thing was like, here he is, the greatest of all time in many people's eyes, 
and he stumbles this way, and this is his chance after what? January, so it's almost, what, seven months later? This is what we're bringing to the table, my friends? This is how we're defending ourselves? What do you make of that? Make sense of this for me. I couldn't understand it. This is what we waited so long for? Like, I thought, all right, we're, de- we're delaying this thing because we got something. We got some facts, some figures. We got some, we got some real hardcore evidence which suggests that Anderson Silva is innocent, that something went awry here, that he's a clean fighter. He took a blue vial from Thailand from a guy that he trained with once or twice. What? Really? In the history of defenses in front of commission, Congress, all these people, what we've seen in the last 20 years or so, that might have been the worst. Can you think of a worse one? It was was bad, but I think... I have a few thoughts on this. One is um, for as, you know, as much of a debacle as the defense was, it doesn't seem like his punishment was very much harsher than it, than it would have been um, had he, you know, pled the fifth or not even contested it. Um, so if that's, if that's the standard, if you can come in there and make a mockery of it and not get punished much more severely, then what incentive is there really to even defend yourself or take it seriously in the future? Um, Perhaps the you know the the stricter um, regulation and and the the stiffer penalties will, will affect that. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that nine months was what was suggested initially, and the and the same kind of fines. Uh, is that is that this accurate? Is, this is way more than bad. If this happened two years ago, he probably would have gotten nine months first offense and like a twenty five hundred dollar fine. This right. time he got three eighty, and and you know what's interesting, and and, and this just came to mind. You know how we hear more often than not that fighters make a lot more than what is recorded to the state, what is announced, what's made public, right? Sure. They go off of what's announced, what's made public. So, you know, they take a percentage, uh, I think it was 20% of his show money, so that equals out to 180. But it, was that really his show money? We'll never know. You get what I'm saying? Sure. Um, that's, but just you, a, that's just a that, weird... It's weird, but there's no way to no, account no. for that. Um, that's what he makes on the books and... Um, that, that part to me is, is not as big a deal as the fact that if, you know, if, if this was as big a, a fall from grace as people think it was from the outside, then why did he only get 12 months? Um, it seems like, well, I don't think one has anything to do with the other. Let me ask you. It it does because he presented, he presented a terrible case. It it was awful. It was, but that's on Nevada for giving him that punishment. That's that's what I'm saying. If if this is what a mockery earns you is three extra months of suspension, it was originally I, I believe suggested nine months, and then it turned into twelve. Then, how much worse could it possibly get? It's going to get worse next month. But my say, okay, so I could walk in there and you know make uh, make a joke out of it and get three additional months. Then you know there's there's no incentive to for accountability. Uh, you view him differently. Do I view him differently? Uh, certainly. Um, not based on this, though. Not based on the actual uh, defense, because that really probably wasn't in his, his hands at all. That was in the hands of the people around him. Um, I view him differently for the, for the positive test, um, but not for the, the hearing. Yeah, but I mean, come on. He's, he's master of his domain. I'm sure he was on board with what they were selling. I have to guess not. If they told him, hey, we're going to go in there and uh, not really put up much of a defense at all uh, except to say that there was a random blue vial I, I can't imagine you don't think a smart guy like anderson is like wait a second no one's gonna buy this nope 
Jeez. I think, well, then maybe that should affect the way you think of him. Because if someone told me, look, man, you tested positive and this is what we're going to say to the commission, I would say, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to turn into a laughing stock. I think you I'm have to be the butt of jokes. I went on Anderson's Instagram. Look at what people are saying to him now. This is the goat. You have to trust the professionals around you, and I think Jesus. he did, and I think Maybe that he was trusted the wrong professionals in this case. Um, but I, I don't think differently uh, of him because of the hearing at all. I, I, you know, I think of him as a fighter. I don't care about you know the, the outside stuff. I care that um, there was a possibility that he tried to cheat in a fight. He's claiming he didn't, and his team is claiming he didn't. Um, and that part changes how I view his, his legacy, but not this. I mean, this was just unfortunate. In fact, I feel sympathetic toward him uh, because it seems like he left it in the hands of people who, who couldn't handle it. I think you bring up a very interesting word, sympathetic, because Anderson had the perfect out. He had the perfect out. I just snapped my leg in this very arena 12 months ago, and I came back, and I would have come back earlier. Remember, he said he wanted to come back earlier, and I, I freaked out. I didn't know if I had it. I didn't know if it would be healthy. I had nightmares. I had to see a psychiatrist. I freaked out. I thought the same thing would happen once again. And I freaked out and I'm sorry. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I'd put anything on the line to bet that people would have been sympathetic, that people would have said, we get it. You're human. You know what? For the first time, Superman looked human. I think people would have actually applauded him for that. I think he would have come out looking like roses. Right? How, how would that have affected the, the hearing, you think? I, I Look, I think Nevada, as tough as they you know, like to, to be in front of the cameras and all that, I think that if you come in there with the puppy dog face, like those two boxers who came in before him, different circumstances, different fighters, all that, whatever, they came out and were very sympathetic. They were very, um, they were very apologetic. And look at the, the punishments they got. They got seven months. They yeah. got mo- and less money, all that stuff. Nevada likes to, if they feel like they are being played, they're going to bring it on. They're going to they're, they're give you the face. But they're going to give you the, the stern talking to, all that stuff. But if they feel like you're coming in there to tell them, you got me, let's move on. Look at what they did with, uh, with Vanderlei Silva. They gave him a lifetime ban. Vanderlei Silva, we don't know what was in his system. He ran away. He has a case. He wasn't licensed. That's his case. It's playing out once again. He got a lifetime ban for running away, but a guy who tests positive doesn't get a lifetime ban? Well, that's my, that's my confusion, is if they were trying to make an example of him, they didn't make a very good example, um, especially with how piss poor the, sure. but my the point case is, he presented was. They're mad at Anderson. Excuse me. They're mad at Vanderlei for running away from them, for, for trying to trick them, for, for, for defying them. They're mad at Chael. He did it twice. You know, all that stuff. But with Anderson, if he would have just come in there and said, hey, I messed up, I bet you he'd have gotten less. I'm sure he would have. If but he, how much less? Nah, I'm thinking I mean, it's negligible. Because this doesn't seem that bad to me. He'd be free. He's, he'd probably, if he would have gotten nine months, he'd be free to, uh, next month. So now he's four months. And it's, it's the same. Yeah, and look what happened. He became the butt of jokes. Well, that part... Well, that's, that's the bad that's part. not the commission part, though. That's that's his team's part. They they they. No, I know, know but the whole that. thing was just the whole thing was just uh, it, it it was just handled poorly. Absolutely. On his part, he if if that if that is what they came up with, they should just come out and said, you know, we messed up. If he would have played that sympathetic card, if he would have played that, it's amazing how people would have viewed him differently. Now that he did this, I actually have no problem with Nevada on this day. I actually feel like 
you know, they were pretty fair. They asked the right questions. They got out of him that it was the first time that he'd been dead. I'm upset that they didn't do the whole Mazagati thing and they're still not willing to police themselves. You know, they gave Shields and Pagliaris uh, temporary suspensions. Their disciplinary hearing is coming up. I'm upset that they wouldn't look at, at Mazagati and just say that, you know, we talked and we're moving forward. There's still a lot of work to be done there. No question about it. But as far as the Anderson hearing was concerned, I actually think it was one of Nevada's finer moments. Now, luckily for him, it's not next month where he would get a much stiffer penalty. And I shudder to think what they're going to do to Nick Diaz, who now has his third offense with marijuana. You know, I think sometimes I think that the cameras make them, you know, act a little a little too tough. But um, as far as Anderson is concerned, I actually think that they were they they were pretty on point. Uh, Is being the co-main on a card headlined by Connor the best gig in MMA? (laughs) I wonder if McDonald and Lawler's fight was made even better by the fact that their media obligations and time spent away from training was kept to a minimum compared to what it would have been had they headlined the show. Likewise, I think Weidman and Rockhold will deliver big time with an exciting fight, and there will be, uh, and they will be at their best with a decreased media obligation schedule. Not sure how the uh, co-main event uh, affects Weidman's pay-per-view points uh, payout, though. Insight would be greatly appreciated. I don't think Lawler and McDonald doing less media had anything to do with that fight being as great as it was. I think Lawler and McDonald were the perfect guys for that scenario because they don't like doing media. But you heard him on this show. Weidman just said, I hope they they remember that we're on this card. I hope they give us a push. I hope they give us the attention that we deserve. So I don't think he wants to be forgotten, especially now, especially what he's been through. Um, I do think, and I'll ask you this question because I said it myself, I think that Connor versus Aldo, Weidman versus Rockhold is the best one-two punch in UFC history as far as talent versus talent, prime athlete versus prime athlete, peak versus peak. I don't think the UFC has ever presented two better title fights than that. Can you think of any? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. You think of it. But even like, look at UFC 100, which was you know, considered one of the greatest. Mir versus Lesnar. At the time, you could make a case that that was... It was tremendous. I'm, yeah. I'm not devaluing. Mir versus Lesnar, and then you had uh, GSP versus Tiago Silva. That doesn't... Uh, Alves. And, excuse me. Yeah, Tiago Alves. Excuse me. Uh, that doesn't stack up no. to Weidman, Rockhold, Conor Aldo. It doesn't. This, this is, I, I'm struggling to think of anything, you know, even non-title fight, just two fights that, that are this um, big, and, and I'm struggling. I, th- I think this is, this is up there for sure. This is, this is probably number one. It's, Unless I'm like you know blanking on something completely, yeah. this this is this is an incredible top two fights. You know, you think about the UFC doing two title fights on the same card. There are a few of them. You know, they they're doing them more these days with more champions. But you know, let me know if you disagree or if you can think of one better than this. So I don't think that Wyman. You know, look, in a perfect world, I think he should be main event. I think he should be the star, and especially this fight. But this is the one fight that I think they could get away with. Conor Aldo is the more popular fight, the more talked about fight. There's more history there. Um, so I don't think that he should be upset about that. But well, I'm curious to see how they promote it. How, how can you be upset about this? The numbers don't lie. It's yeah, yeah. He's going to make more money off it. He's going to make more money. And Conor is, does, has earned this spot. There's, there's, no, there's no debate about it. Conor and Aldo have, have earned, you know, more so Conor. Why does Rockwell deserve to be a main event? I mean, that's obvious, they right? D- they deserve to be a main event, but they're willing to not be the main event. I think they know going in that this is not the main event. Um, I like how he subtly blames it on Luke 
only being on one pay-per-view like he's not a big enough draw like he brought him down right i mean they both they both agreed to fight on this card they know what's on this card so it's not it's not a a thing where they got blindsided oh all of a sudden conor mcgregor and jose aldo are on this card and now we're bumped down that was going to be the headliner yeah uh, the entire time so if you, if you deserve to be a uh you know a headline pay-per-view uh draw then don't fight on the card and and you know fight at a different time and be the the headliner but I think, you know, the money speaks and they're going to get paid handsomely and uh, Connor and Aldo earn this spot. It's it's a no, it's a no-brainer to do it this way and it's a no-brainer to want to be a part of it even if you're a champion fighting in the in the co-main event slot. I do think Weidman Belfort should have been the main event for 187. I don't know if that's the reason why it didn't do as well as people thought maybe it was Mayweather being the same month, but I do think the the real title fight not you know, a fight that was stripped and, you know, like that was the, the original fight. I think that should have been the main event. Also, I just want to say I'm very much looking forward to the back and forth between Rockhold and Weidman. I feel like it's going to, it's a different kind of back and forth. Two guys who, you know, kind of think their shit don't stink. They're the best in the world. Young guys, like I said, in their prime, there's no excuses to be had. They're super competitive. They're, they're, there's this like rivalry between them. I just feel like that back and forth is going to be really interesting. And by the time we get to December 10th, 11th, whatever, you know, those stare downs are going to be fun. It's like when you play your brother, your friend, you know, back in the backyard at, uh, at basketball and like, yeah, okay, I can, I can accept losing to this guy. There's no way I want to lose to that guy. And it's just going to be super, super competitive. I, I can't wait for that. I love that fight. Uh, next for the Holloway Oliveira winner, do you believe that the UFC Saskatoon main event is a title elimination bout? If not, how many fights away is the winner from a title shot? By the way, my my friend Jimmy says UFC 168. That's Tate Rousey two, and uh, Anderson Weidman two. That was huge. But again, talent wise, and just you know who these fighters are and where they are in their careers, I don't think it's close. No, right? I, I agree with you. Um, Holloway Oliveira winner. That is a good one, though. That was a very good yeah, suggestion. Yeah, that is a good one. And not that long ago. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, well, here's one more. UFC 79. GSP, Matt Hughes, and Vanderlei Chuck. Not even close. It's not even close. Vanderlei Chuck were past their prime. Yeah. And GSP Hughes was uh, an interim title fight. It was supposed to be Sarah Hughes. Okay. Keep them coming, though, if you want. Um, you know, that, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Is it possible, Frankie Edgar? Ooh. But... You know, I, and I know he, I know he fought Oliveira. He fought Oliveira. Max Holloway, Frank Max Yeager? Holloway, Frank Yeager would be a, a very fun fight. And I think you know, for Holloway, this this one is the the next step is. I mean, it has to be an Edgar or somebody of that caliber, yeah. and then another is after that is a title shot. Um, he's he's on too much of a roll right now. He's looked so good. Um, Oliveira's I think in a little different of a of a position. I think um, you could conceivably have another two or three for him. Um, but this is a big fight for both guys, for sure. I feel like there's a bit of a sweepstakes going on, you know, between these guys. We'll see how this plays out on Sunday. Jeremy Stevens is out there after his win, and then there's Frankie and Chad. And I, and I can see maybe the loser of this fight, maybe fighting Chad, maybe even the winner. I can see the winner of this fight fighting Frankie Edgar. I can see a winner or loser of this yeah. fight fighting Jeremy. I mean, I, I feel there's like... There's a lot here. Yeah. Um, it's a great main event, and... And like, like I said with Connor, you know, Max Holloway's last fight was, excuse me, last loss was to Connor McGregor exactly two years ago today. Since then, he has won one, two, three, four, five, six against pretty solid competition. Will Chope, Andre Feely, that was a huge win for him. And I don't remember what the odds were, but I feel like a lot of people were picking touchy Feely. They were. Clay Collard, 
Kier Corsani, Cole Miller, Cub Swanson. That was just that was huge uh, wins. Yeah, that was a legacy win yeah. for now. Um, he's looked fantastic. And again, at the time, it didn't feel like a big win, but you know, Max Holloway is, is no joke, and he's finally coming into his own. I mean, how old is the guy? Twenty-three years old. Yeah, he's only twenty-three. Made his debut. Damn. 2012 made his debut, UFC 143. He's had a crap load of UFC fights. Yeah, he's, he's very active. And, you know, it's important to remember that he was also uh, hurt or, you know, yeah. he wasn't at his best coming into that Conor McGregor fight. So I think you could conceivably sell, uh, you know, that fight uh, down the line. I think if he wins this fight, one more and then he's there. That's, that's my thought yeah. as well. Like a Frank Yeager, um, yeah. like we mentioned. Or Chad. Uh, Kane versus Verdun 2. Do you think the UFC made a mistake booking Kane versus Verdun 2 when there were many other matches they could have made? Feels like they are risking killing off the contenders they have for the sake of a match not many people seem too excited about. You know, I don't know. I think when this fight is finally going to happen, people will be excited about it. I, I do feel like it's a bummer to keep Kane on the sidelines for so long, especially coming off a loss. The best thing that Kane can do right now is just get back in there. And he wanted to fight in October. I know this for a fact. So now he's going to have to wait till okay, at least January, maybe February, maybe even March to get back in there. And this is a guy who has been out for a long time prior to his fight in June. Last time he fought was October of 2013. It had been 20 months. And I feel like he's been linked to, to Verdun for so long. Like, I just want to see him fight someone fresh. I just want to see him get back in there. You know, I just want to see him remain active, get his mojo back, get his confidence back. That's really, you know, the only way to do that is to get in there and fight. So I can understand why, um, you know, I can understand why, but look, now you have so many fights, it's a different time. The UFC has to really roll the dice. We were talking about this on the beat last week. There are no, there are no warm-up fights anymore. Um, there, there are no, you know, w what is the word? Um, Cupcakes, gimmies. No, it's, um, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking. Damn it. What's the word? What's the word when you, uh, give me a second. What are your thoughts on it as I look up the word? Um, don't love it, but, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, uh, Junior starched Kane uh, on Fox and then came back to, to warm up fights. There, there it go. is. There's a damn word. Isn't that what you said? I said warm up fight. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, then Kane came back to win the next two. So I don't think, you know, I think people's objection to this is that they just saw. Um, Kane essentially, you know, get dominated uh, by Verdun. But I don't think that that necessarily means that we're in for the same type of fight. I, no. I think there's intrigue there. And I think, you know, look, it's the heavyweight division. There's there's not a lot of options here. Um, it seems like there's a lot of options. But are these people that are actually going to draw on pay-per-view and people uh, that, you know, fans are going to tune in to see? Um, I'm reluctant to say yes. I think Kane is one of those guys. Kane and Verdun are, are up there. So um, I don't have as much of a problem with it as, you know, most of the most fans seem to have uh, i saw a lot of you know backlash against it but i don't love it i don't i don't think it's you know necessary at this point to do to do an immediate rematch but of all the options out there it's the best one in terms of competition i think kane has the best chance to beat Fabricio that's fair Verdun enough right but now. we can't we can't continue to throw kane out there every time of course not and especially you know he didn't win another one last time um when he before he fought junior yeah. again he beat uh bigfoot, bigfoot right so you know uh, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. 191 needed a co-main, so they put Arlovsky and Mir there, which I think is a fine co-main. It's a fight that's 10 years in the making, all that stuff. And then they put Miocic-Rothwell 
um, you know, in, in, in Ireland. I think that Miocic had to win at least one more to get a title shot. I think Overeem and JDS, especially what's going on today on Twitter, I think they're destined to fight, and they will fight around December, hopefully. Um, and, and I think it was too early for Mir. So to me, the only guy who, you know, you can make a case for was Arlovsky. And quite frankly, he wasn't really banging the drum. And maybe he was behind the scenes, but I, I didn't get the sense that he really wanted it right now. I think maybe he wanted one more. He certainly had a lot of opportunities to bang the drum, and he wasn't doing so. So I can't hate it. And, 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 I, and I sincerely think that once the fight you know, comes together and we're just 24, 40 hours away, I think people will be into it. And I think there are a lot of things to chew on there. The layoff, the altitude, all that's you know, Verdum's you know, first fight as champion. It's intriguing enough. You know, you tell me tomorrow's Verdum Kane 2, I'm all in. I, I'm into seeing that fight. It just sucks we have to wait so long for it. Bellat uh, a Bellator question. Who do you think will win the four-man light heavyweight tournament? And if you're not comfortable with that, what do you think of the light heavyweight tournament? I feel like we've talked about this before. Uh, Phil Davis, Emmanuel Newton, uh, King, King Mo, and um, yeah. Um, who's a favorite right now? I mean, I'd say... you got to think Phil, right? Yeah, I'd say Phil's the favorite. I mean... Again, it's tough to predict in a sense because you're fighting twice in the same night. So what happens in your first fight? Exactly. I don't think Phil takes a lot of damage. So I think he should be okay in that sense. Um, I think it's, it's interesting that they're only going to find out, you know, closer to the fight who they're going to be fighting. So that's interesting. Um, you know, I, th I still think King Mo is very good, but then you have the Emmanuel Newton thing. Like, I feel like Newton is, is the favor, excuse me, is the Mike Brown to his Uriah favor. There you go. Or the Weidman to his Anderson Silva. So it's going to be, you know, if, if, he, if he gets Emmanuel Newton in the first round, he might be in trouble. So I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll still have to say Davis. I, I'd say Davis now. is the favorite and, and likely, you know, winner at this point. But um, I think it's a very evenly matched tournament. I really like it it's uh, very, quite it's, a bit. It's very it, good. It's, it's a very exciting uh, uh, prospect. And it's the kind of thing Bellator needs to do more of. Whatever you can do to differentiate yourself from the UFC, do it. Again, you can't do women's fighting anymore. And quite frankly, I don't know how I feel about their women's. It doesn't really feel like they're all in on it. It's weird. Um, I think they, they tried to do 145 maybe to get Cyborg or Gina, and it hasn't really worked out just yet. So uh, whatever you can do to be different, this Dynamite show is the perfect example of that. What are your thoughts on Kimberly Novais fighting and winning an MMA championship in Brazil whilst pregnant? Thankfully, the Wilson. baby was unharmed. But yeah. should this ever have happened? Of course not. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. Um, our good pal Guilherme Cruz wrote about this yesterday. Very strange. Where is it? Where is it? I could read it. Um, here it is. Uh, he posted this yesterday on the site. If you missed it, here's a snippet. Uh, she was expected to make her RFA debut next week against Jocelyn Jones, Liebarger, uh, but won't be able to step in the cage. Uh, the Brazilian strawweight had some trouble cutting weight as soon as she signed her bout agreement to fight on August 21st and eventually found out that she's six months pregnant. Twelve weeks doesn't equal six months, though. Right? No, it does not. Uh, when she did the math... Novaeus realized she fought and won an MMA fight. Oh, okay. There, it makes sense. See? Why did we ever question Guilherme? She found out she's six months. She did the math. She found out that uh, when she fought, she was 12 weeks pregnant. She's having a boy, by the way, just in case you're wondering. 
Um, so anyway, I think this is a case of commission. Here it is. Um, this event that she fought for isn't regulated by the Brazilian MMA Athletic Commission. And uh, the promoter, Bruno Barros, admits he's the one to blame for the entire situation. I didn't ask for the exam. That's the truth. I didn't even think about the possibility of a woman fighting while pregnant, going through a camp and dehydrating and everything. This was my first event. I asked for HIV and hepatitis. Lesson learned. Good to be uh, regulated by commission and uh, bad not to be. And if you are putting on female fights, don't just ask for those tests. Ask for the pregnancy test, too. Thankfully, no one was hurt. UFC Fight Pass, it feels like this year there have been significantly less Fight Pass-only cards yes. uh, than last year. What would you attribute this to? Are the UFC perhaps beginning to lose confidence in it? What changes would you like to see made to the service, and how big do you think it will grow over the coming years? So remember I asked Marshall Zelaznik about this, and uh, I think the UFC is, is slowly but surely and also quietly figuring out their schedule. Remember last week I talked about this a little bit, and also pay attention this year no two events on the same day remember that phenomenon yep. i think we did it three times last year wasn't good and they've recognized this clearly because there are none this year and every time they did it there was a fight pass show and uh and then like a fox sports one event i just think it's overkill it's too much for the fan to consume and i think one show inevitably suffers I think there are enough fight pass events now, and especially with you know the prelims and they're signing other organizations, Titan. I think that's uh, the key the, that they're adding yeah. more content from other organizations as well. You you need if you're you know fight pass is perfect for prelims, these other leagues, and then you know every four or five months a show, European show, overseas show. But I think that if you can put those events on, on, on television, especially here in the United States, that's the way to go. They're going to be seen by more people. So it just makes more sense to do that. I actually think that they've kind of found a pretty good groove um, rather than, you know, it feels like they're losing confidence. I feel like Fight Pass is, is right where it, it needs out, to yeah. be. They're figuring it out perfectly, you know, putting on um, the, the preliminary fights and then, you know, uh, putting on Invicta and, and Titan and all these other cards, um, as well as, you know, continuing to build the library and adding additional um, content that you can't find, you know, just on the UFC's YouTube channel or anything like that. So um, I think that they're, they're in a good spot right now, even yeah. though, you know, the number of Fight Pass only cards has been reduced. I do love the fact that when it's a Fight Pass only card, it seems to fly by. They don't have to That's stick true. to any commercial times or anything. And, and that applies to these other organizations now. Invicta yes. cards and Titan FC cards, they're not, they're not constrained by commercial breaks. Yeah. Uh, recently, uh, John Cavanaugh t tweeted that he doesn't understand how a fighter like Gunnar Nelson isn't booked for the Dublin card. What do you think about that? And do you think he should be on that card? Well, it might just be a case of bad timing because they want him on the card. Uh, as I reported last week, they wanted him to fight, or at least they reached out to Damian Maia about fighting Gunner, which I think is the fight that everyone wanted to see. Yep. But Damian Maia has a pretty bad, I mean, pretty gross staph infection on his left thigh. I tweeted the picture. It was on TV. I mean, it's, it's not good. So uh, he can't fight. And then they inquired about Wonder Boy, which I think was the second best choice. And he's banged up as well. So I can't really think of a, a great option. I mean, there are options, but who knows what else is going I mean, to now, us, there's options. There's Masvidal, there's Lorenz Larkin, but who knows what their plans are for those guys? Do you, you think know? it's worth putting him on the card no matter who he faces? And do you think he would take a fight against somebody, you know, who's like a lesser opponent just to be on the card? Yes. Um, I, I don't really think Gunnar Nelson is the kind of guy to look at, you know, that, that sort of thing sure. and get worked up about it. But I, I do kind of feel like for a fight pass card, I, I really think that the card is, is pretty well secured. I mean, the co-main event, 
Rothwell Miocic is fantastic. Yep. Duffy versus Poirier makes a lot of sense for that area. You know, Gunner, uh, let's look at where it's at right now. I mean, Gunner certainly would add to the card, and he's considered this honorary uh, Irishman because he trains at SBG and he's been there for a long time. I don't think they need him. I don't think it's a it's a failure of a card. I think it's just, you know, an extra added yeah, bonus. bonus. But, you know, I, by the way, Masvidal, Larkin, if those guys aren't uh, aren't booked, I'd be down with that. Yep. Right? Where is it? Here it is. Right now, according to UFC.com, this is where we're at. Poirier, Duffy, Miocic, Rothwell, Dalby Till, which I think it's great to put Till on this card. Um, Patty Houlihan versus Luis Smolka is a very important fight at 125. Norman Park versus Reza Madadi, which is also interesting. Stevie Ray, our good pals, back against Lebu. Um, so now, and then now you get to the fights that are inevitably going to be on the quote-unquote prelims. But I think for a fight pass card, which typically only has four fights on the prelim, oh, excuse me, on the main card, right? Um, Poirier, Duffy, Rothwell, Rothwell Miocic, Dalby Till, and Hulhan Smolka are, are pretty much, you know, I mean, those are main card fights. And then you have Park Medati, which also could be main card. I do think it's funny that Miocic Rothwell is a super important fight at heavyweight, and it's the co-main event. It's one of those rare times where the co-main event is actually, you know, rankings-wise and title picture-wise, more important than the main event, sure. right? That's a big fight. And I wonder, given the size of that stadium, that arena, if it's going to be the small... It's a small arena. I wonder if it's going to be the small cage. And if so, Rothwell Miocic in that small cage is just bananas. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Yes. Uh, speaking of heavyweights, Junior Dos Santos has uh, said, make it happen to Alistair Overeem. Yes. I hope they make that fight happen sooner rather than later. This is from our good friend James Lorry, by the way. Yes. What a fight between two mighty giants with elite striking. I'm really excited at the thought yes. of seeing them go to war. What do you think? They're going back and forth on Twitter all day. It's the fight that's going to happen. It's already been reported. It's the fight. They just have to figure out the time. And, and you know, to be honest, from what I know, the delay is that Junior was injured. So I don't know if we can say that, you know, Alistair is running or afraid or ducking. And I know they're going back and forth with the steroid stuff and all that. Just sign the contract. Remember what Mike Tyson once said to Bob Sapp? Sign the contract. Sign the contract. Let's see the damn fight already. We were supposed to see it at UFC 146. Remember that? Of course. It's very unfortunate. So I just want to see it already. If Rothwell beats uh, Miocic in October, is there a scenario where he can realistically get the next title shot? And would he be a pay-per-view draw? Well, here's the problem. If Verdum Kane is going to be January, February, and he's fighting in October, he's going to have to wait. Does he want to wait? That's what sucks about Arlovsky-Mir-Rothwell-Miocic kind of happened around the same time. But then the title fight happens, you know, at least three, four months later. So these guys are going to be faced with a, a, a tough predicament, a conundrum. Do you wait? Do you book the winners against each other? tricky i don't know yeah i mean i don't think unless they're told that they're getting a title shot that they'd wait you know i think they'd have to step in right and away also i mean <clears throat> excuse me if if verdum wins and then jds wins closer to that title fight i think he might have the inside track that sure. rematch is very sellable in my opinion absolutely and final one from twitter what's your prediction on the pay-per-view numbers with hmm. two great title fights on the same night for you know, UFC 194. That's a really good question, and I'll bring up something that I brought up on Thursday, excuse me, on Friday on the MMA beat. 
I'm not ready. Is there something? Is, I don't know why. Like, I don't feel the same. Okay, we are four months away from UFC 194, right? Almost to the day. I don't feel the same about that fight, the main event, as I did four months before UFC 189. Is it because I'm just getting over 189? Is it because 189 was such an emotional roller coaster? Is it because it was such an emotional night? I mean, I don't even know what it is. But you get what I'm saying? Is it because I don't want to get hurt again? I don't want to get my hopes up again. I don't want to get excited and then disappointed that we're not going to see the fight. Why don't I feel the same about the fight four months out that I, than I did four months before 189? Do you have any idea why? No. Do you agree with me? Uh, I, I, I think I lost it earlier than that, but I don't know. What do you mean you lost it? Like, I'm not as ex- I was already not as excited. For 189? For 189? Yes, 189. Aldo McGregor. I'm, tell- I'm, I'm asking you, why don't I feel as excited for Aldo McGregor in December, four months before the fight, as I did four months before their original fight, 189, July Yeah, 11. and I'm saying I was, less, I was not as excited about the fight even four months before 189. Like, I, I, I'm equally excited now as Why? I was back then, but I wasn't as excited. Why? I just... Remember when we were doing the rankings last week of, you know, which fights would be the highest? Um, it was, you know, Ronda and Cyborg, McGregor Aldo, Weidman Rockhold, um, Jones Cormier, and all these other ones. And mine was... It was somewhere in the middle of the pack for me. I just... It doesn't it doesn't have that appeal for me as a, as a stylistic matchup. Now, once the promotional machine gets behind it and it starts kicking into effect, and I think maybe that part of that was the world tour um, that, you know, had everybody so excited. Once that kicks into effect, I'll probably, you know, be more excited for the fight. But the, there's, there's better matchups that I'm more excited for, like Weidman Rockhold. Um, Fair enough. But you do realize that four months ago was the heart of the world tour, I feel like you might be forgetting about the timeline. What do you mean? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying during that. That's when you lost it? You felt like it was getting to be overkill? At the end of it, I was burnt. I was burnt out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, at the start of that, that was, that was great. Those embeddeds were... But that's, you give, know, or, some that's of give or take, you know, eight to nine days. That's enough. If, if I'm getting it every day, the, you know, the, the, the constant beating over the head. But I think that... Um, you know, once those do start back up again, and I'm not sure, you know, what they would have planned for, you know, the lead up. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they could do another world tour. Maybe they I don't will. think, I, don't, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm already burnt out on the world tours. Like if they tried to do that again, I'm not sure I'd be all in on it. But I think once the promotion does start and we start getting those promos again, you know, the yeah. commercial that they cut last time was incredible. If they start, you know, putting in the work like that, I'm sure I'll be as excited. But, you know, for me, it's like a an eight, which is a really good number. I think it's a great fight, but you know, I think Rockhold Weidman is is a ten. I think my revelation is that remember how everyone said now the fight is bigger after one eighty nine because he beat Chad and he answered those questions. Yeah. It's definitely true, but for some reason, like I said, well, it's it, not it the was, first time. It's it was such a, yeah exactly. It's not the first time. So in a weird way. Weidman Rockhold makes me more excited for that fight than I was a week ago when it was announced. You get what I'm saying? Now I'm like, Weidman Rockhold is, the, is, is and, and, and I, I ask anyone to prove me otherwise, is the greatest co-main event. And it's a legit co-main event because if that fight, for whatever reason, 
falls through. That's a legit main eventer, no doubt about it. Any day of the week, it's huge. Wyman Rockhold is the greatest co-main event in the history of the sport, period. Yeah. It's the best. And uh, it, it's like a, a rising tide lifts all boats. It just makes me more interested. So in a weird way, Ro- Wyman Rockhold is actually helping Aldo McGregor. Who'd have thought? I, uh, I, I hope I'm verbalizing this. No, I, I think most people are with you in, in terms of, uh, you know, their, their position on, on this fight. That said, uh, you know, once that once the promotion starts up, I think you'll be more excited again. Yeah, maybe. It's, it's far out. Once, once it gets closer, you'll, you'll be back. Once, once McGregor starts doing some interviews, once Aldo starts responding, you'll be back. I think it's because I'm so excited about the UFC's debut in Saskatchewan, <laughs> Rough Rider country, that I can't allow myself to get excited. You know, You're taking it one fight at a time, at a time yes, as they say? Because it's amazing what a week off does. It, it actually allows you, like, I'm, I'm excited. I actually missed the UFC this weekend. Speaking of which, yep. since we had some time off, I, uh, I said to you, look, we got the, the, the lines out. It, it's very rare that an entire card yeah. is out there, especially a fight night on a Monday, right? Very They've had rare. time to digest. So uh, I said, uh, let's get some picks. Sure. You got something? I got a few. Uh, there's some fights I'm looking at. So, you know, you know this, fight, th- this card is, uh, is heavy on names that you recognize at the top and then lower um, at the bottom. It's not, it's not terrible. Um, I think it's it's a solid um, it's fight a night. Canadian card. It's it's a solid fight night card. The thing is, there's a lot of flawed fighters, you know, with uh, with deficiencies at the bottom, where it makes it harder to kind of predict betting. Um, but one of the ones that I that jumps out at me is uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima and uh, Nikita Krylov. I think I think de Lima is gonna gonna get it done pretty quickly um, against Krylov. He's just, Krylov, my man, Krylov. I love him. He's he's an exciting fighter, but I feel like a lot of the excitement comes from himself putting himself in bad positions sometimes, and you know not being being as technical as he as he might be uh, in the striking. And I think I think the Lima's gonna take him out. Um, so the line of of minus one forty is jumping out at me. It's a, it's a little appealing. I wouldn't be surprised if it climbs you know higher. Um, so now might be the time to get on. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Krylov has a name that, that people recognize, and I wouldn't be surprised if it actually goes closer to even. Um, but I, li- I like Delima there. And then, you know, outside of that, I, I see a lot of close fights that I'm not really, you know, liking any betting until we get up to, to um, Aubin Mercier and, and Tony Sims, where I like Mercier. Um, I think I think he's going to get it done. I think it could be a competitive fight with Sims. But what I like is... Mercier is a minus two forty favorite, but Mercier inside the distance, the submission prop isn't out yet. Um, at least you know according to to uh, five dimes, um, Mercier wins. Uh, and Mercier inside the distance is plus two sixteen. So I think if he's going to get it done, he's likely going to get it done by submission. Um, so you're getting pretty good value on that. I like uh, and Mercier inside the distance. I think he'll he'll get a submission um, at plus two sixteen. So I think that's decent value. Um, but I also think Sims could be competitive in this fight. Um, so I, I would play that small if I, if I'm going to play it, which I might, um, Laprice, I like, you know, I like him to win. I think, you know, Trinaldo's he's Trinaldo, I think has been getting less 
you know impressive as as time has gone on he he looked like he was a you know a complete package i think um john anik went so far as to say he might be a future champion uh, at one point and now it seems like he's kind of cooled off in the sense that his game is not so uh explosive and not so first round uh power heavy um he's kind of been a little less aggressive um so i think laprice is going to be able to to outwork him to a decision i don't love the the line on laprice he's he's a minus 335 favorite um but i think he might be somebody you might want to throw in a parlay uh perhaps but is he the biggest favorite on the card no uh second biggest it looks like behind misha kirkinov yes who i know nothing about um so laprice is a relatively big favorite i like him here but i i might play him on a on a parlay rather than playing anything straight you know, then we we go up to Berkman Cote. I I don't know what to make of that fight, mostly because um, both of these guys are kind of in the same position. Uh, tough guys who are pretty well rounded. But the problem is, I think Berkman has better skills. But I think you know sometimes he makes weird decisions or fights in a strange way. Like you know against Hector Lombard, he decided to stand and actually did pretty well. But probably would have had more success mixing up his game a little bit. Um, so I think Berkman. Uh, could possibly get it done, and I think he's a rightful favorite. But I think Cote's a little more consistent. Um, now I'm certainly scared of you know how how many fights he's been in and how many wars he's been in. Um, but Ber- you know Berkman's decision making sometimes make, gives me a little bit of pause. Um, but I think that's a great fight. I wouldn't bet on it either way. It's just it's just a little tough. Uh, and then we get to Eric Silva and Neil Magny. Neil Magny taking it on short notice. Um, looking at the odds, Silva's minus 170, Magny's plus 150. I think that's about right. I mean, maybe I'd make a small bet on Silva just because Magny's taking it on short notice. I think this is kind of a this is kind of a matchup of two guys who couldn't be more opposite in the sense that Neil Magny's super super tough um, over three rounds. He kind of gets better as the fight wears on. He's able to survive, um, you know difficult situations and eric silva is notoriously like a first round fighter but i think it's a bad recipe if if magny's filling it filling in on short notice i i think rick story would likely have beaten eric silva um i'm I'm not so sure magny can get it done on short notice i think he's live he's definitely a live dog if he can survive early i wouldn't be surprised if magny was able to put together a really solid round two and round three uh and beat eric silva but i think getting over that that hurdle in the first round is going to be super tough and especially on short notice um so i'm thinking silva there maybe a small bet if any um and then holloway can i, can I ask you a quick question before you yeah. get to the main event what exactly does live dog mean i always hear people so say there's, this there's dogs like uh Bech Cohea, and then there's dogs like uh you know neil magny versus eric silva okay so one has a chance one doesn't yeah one's a, one's a dog that can fetch one's a live dog and the <laughs> other is is a not. dead dog yeah jeez um, it's very morbid. Where does the term underdog come from? I don't know. I think I've looked that up at some point, but I uh, I don't recall off the top of my head. I'm going to look it up while you talk about the main event. Okay, main event. Max Holloway. He's a minus 220 favorite. Um, I think that's about right. I think he's going to... Oliveira's going to give him... Tr- you know some trouble in certain positions he's gonna you know he has such an active submission game there's almost no way to avoid um at least you know a scramble or or you know at some point on the ground um Oliveira make, making a, a nice play on a submission um but Holloway is just too good right now I think I think minus 220 is about right um I think he's just gonna over the five rounds he's gonna eventually break Oliveira uh similar to the way he he did with Cub Swanson his 
his pressure and his ability to mix in, you know, unique combinations is is going to be a little bit too much for Oliveira, who's still, you know, his striking is decent and he, you know, he's dangerous, but he he doesn't have the level of striking that I think Holloway does, and Holloway's likely going to be able to keep it on the feet. Um, although if Oliveira is, you know, aggressive with his takedowns, I could see him, I could see him getting it to the ground, and in that world, Oliveira's uh, much more dangerous. But I think uh, I think like more likely we're going to see Holloway keep it standing and and either finish him late or get a you know pretty dominant decision. So, you know the I, I don't love I don't really love any bets on this. Um, but I I think you know uh, Aubin Mercier by submission or or inside the distance is is relatively good. Um, and I like Delima. Um, but you know I wouldn't be surprised if Krylov pulls off something crazy because that's how his fights usually go. Uh, Laprise by decision. But, you know, the, the odds are a little off on that. So betting-wise, I, I don't think that this is a fantastic card. It's not the worst card either, I think. But I think there are a lot of close fights, especially lower on the card. Um, and then near the top, uh, we've got some, some easier fights to predict. What about you? What do you think? Um, you didn't really touch on it, but I'm really curious to see the return of Marina Moroz. Sure. I think that's a difficult one because I really don't have a great gauge on her. Yeah. Um, what was that? Who knows? Yeah, that but first she beat uh, Joanne Calderwood in Poland. Came out of nowhere. She was a gigantic underdog. Yeah, and now she's uh, she's, she's a, a favorite. favorite against Valerie right. Letourneau. By the way, speaking of the term underdog, according to Wikipedia, let's, it was f- the first recorded use of the term occurred in the second half of the 19th century. Its first meaning was quote the beaten dog in a fight. Makes sense. Makes sense. Live dog. Live dog. There it is. All right, now let's turn the tables on you. Yes. This weekend, this Sunday, this, by the way, a very busy night in the world of combat sports. This Sunday, SummerSlam. That was like the WrestleMania song. I don't know what that song. is. Oh, okay. the WrestleMania song. Yep, I don't know um, the SummerSlam song, but very exciting. <laughs> it's actually in our neck of the woods in that's the BK. Correct. Are yeah. you going? No, I'm not going to SummerSlam, but... Why? Because of UFC? No, I think I think this is like a difficult ticket to to yeah, get sold out. Also, NXT um, I heard is sold out, which is like the uh, not the minor leagues, but you know, like the developmental program. That's also it's a fight night. Yeah, and and that's sold out too. Yeah, tough. Good, good comparison there with fight night. I so, thought someone would give me a ticket, by the way, because I essentially made the Brock Lesnar Undertaker fight. I thought someone. That's right. You know, but speaking of which, do we have the clip? We have it. Let's just remind the public who's into this whole thing. This nonsense known as fake wrestling. Oh my God, he said fake. Let's remind the public how this fight got made in the first place. It was UFC 121, October, what was it? October of 2010? 2009? 2010. October of 2010, UFC 121, Anaheim, California. Brock Lesnar loses to Cain Velasquez. I am interviewing Undertaker. And who walks by? Brock Lesnar. And that's where it started. And they're fighting again this weekend. Let's remind the public. Here we go. Ariel Hawani post-fight at UFC 121, where Cain Velasquez just beat Brock Lesnar. And we're here with The Undertaker, sir. What are your thoughts on what we just witnessed? Uh, I'm a little bit shocked, you know. I I thought Brock was going to come out strong like he did. Um, I thought Cain's chances would be better if they went in the fourth or fifth round. I'm a little bit shocked. I, I, I thought Brock might have got to him early, but uh, you know what? Kane's a hell of a fighter, and he did a hell of a job. Do you think, considering the size difference, that he'd be able to manhandle him like that? No, I didn't. I didn't think so. I think Brock's strength and size would over would overmatch him. 
I thought it would have to go into a cardio battle. And uh, I'm actually very surprised. It's almost like you're at a loss for words there. You want to do it? It was Brock Lesnar right there. What did you just say to him? I, I, it's kind of a personal thing. Uh, you know, I think maybe he needs to, uh, yeah, I think he needs to train a little harder. Um, are you guys cool? Personal. Who are you rooting for tonight? You know what, I, uh, I got background with Brock, but uh, you know, that just showed you something right there. Are you a fan of this sport? I'm a big time fan. You're one of the first guys to actually introduce MMA to pro wrestling, the gloves, the go-go plata. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, uh, and I like to, uh, you know, the things that I can bring from MMA into, into what we do. Uh, obviously there's not many people prepared for it, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I just, I'm a big fan. Perhaps 20 years ago. I, I, could, I could do a whole show on just that interview alone. You see him looking off to the side. Why did Brock walk? past us there when usually they go the other way i mean the whole thing just blew my mind you want to do it what what is going on here is he challenging him to a fight i don't understand what's happening young ariel hawani in 2010 had his mind literally and figuratively blown on that night at the honda center and now here they are i know they 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 worked the match or whatever you want to call it wrestlemania but here they are in brooklyn and no one has reached out to me no one has asked for my footage. No one has asked me to be ringside. No one has asked me to be the guest timekeeper. No one has asked me to be the guest ring announcer. No one has asked me to be the guest enforcer. No one has asked me to be the guest referee. No one has asked me anything. I made this match. I made these guys. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I had to get that off my chest. Well, speaking of that match yes. that you made, uh, one, our buddy Scott Cohn says... Uh, he did some art for SummerSlam that, that may appear and also appear on Raw, so that's pretty cool. What do you mean he did some art? He says he did some artwork. They, they must have commissioned him to do some, you know, some drawings. It's incredible. The guy who did this thing right here. That's right. Wow. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And now we're going to ask you the odds yes. of the SummerSlam matches. No, you know what? We're going to ask you the odds of the NXT and the SummerSlam oh, matches. Oh, sweet Moses. Okay, here we go. Running out of time who, who here. Who is the favorite? Okay. In Finn Balor. Yes. Baylor? Balor? I think it's Baylor. Finn Baylor versus Kevin Owens. Oh. Fight Owens fight. And, and preface this, I recently canceled my WWE Network. I got it to actually watch Kevin Owens go up against uh, Sami Zayn in February. Never watched it again. And I haven't watched Raw in over a year at least. A second of it. That being said, my man Kevin Owens. You're incorrect. What? Get out of here. By the way, where are these odds? Legit pa they places? They are at Paddy Power. The hell's that? That's a, a UK book. There's, the US books don't have... Uh, they don't do wrestling? They do, but not yet. Okay, okay. Um, Paddy Power is typically the, the ones that get the, uh, the WWE stuff up quickly. And when is NXT? The night before, August 22nd. Saturday. Saturday. Night. Okay. So Finn Balor. By the way, is Baylor? that at the Barclays? Is that the Barclays as well? Um... I think so. I think it is. Crazy. I think they're both there. Okay. Um, he is the favorite. Uh, you bet you, you bet 15 to win eight. So roughly, you know, he's, he's roughly a two to one favorite. Sasha Banks yes. versus Bailey. 
Uh, I've heard of Sasha Banks, so I'll go with her. Hello? Bailey is the favorite, I believe. Okay. What do you mean you believe? You're looking at it. Yeah. I'm, uh, What's wrong with you here? It's all in... Uh, it's in... Uh, What's it called? Fractional form, which is like the UK version. Oh, which, I would be really bad at this. makes it uh, much more difficult for me to analyze. Why does everything have to be so difficult? Um, wait, so win seven. Oh, this is uh, going to be... Betting four. This is how we're going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, she's not the favorite, Sasha Banks? No. BS. Okay, next. Um, Tyler Breeze versus Jushin Liger. Okay, what? Jushin Liger is in NXT? Jushin Liger is a, is a legend. What is going on here? He's in NXT. Jushin Liger. By the way... That's what it says. Can I just say something? Jushin Liger, you know his, his nickname is Thunder. Okay. Jushin Okami... Uh, yes. Got his nickname from him. Is that true? Yes. Big fan. Well, that's pretty cool. Jushin Liger was a huge star in Japan. Jushin Liger is, a, is like a, a legend. What is he doing on NXT? That's pretty cool. I might have to actually watch it. Uh, it's got to be Liger. Thunder. No, Tyler Breeze. What the F? Okay. Win eight for betting 11. And Jushin Liger is even money. I don't believe he's going to be there. What kind of a... Samoa Joe versus oh. Baron Corbin. Can I just say, the NXT card is way more interesting than whatever you're going to say about SummerSlam. Samoa Joe? Uh, yeah, Samoa. He... Nope. <laughs> He's not the favorite. Baron Corbin. I think like you're I reading like the odds this, wrong. This can't be right, can it? You did you get so you've guessed the other guy? I've gone everyone? wrong every single one. This yeah, can't so be then right. maybe I'm reading the odds wrong. You don't know what you're doing. Okay, what else you got? This is a great card. I want to watch it. Wait, let me let me think about this for a second here. You're supposed to win. You're wrong. I gotta be right. Someone, someone let us know if we're right. Let me know the rest of the card. I'm dying to know. Okay, well, no, that's it for NXT. Oh. It's a great card. SummerSlam. I might have to resign. Okay, yeah. Uh, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. Oh, we're starting with the main event? Or is uh, that not That's the main just event? how it's listed in uh, order, so I'll go from the other uh, way then. You know, this is interesting. Wait a minute. Okay. In the other order, yeah. Cesaro yeah. versus Kevin Owens. He's fighting twice? But he's fighting twice, I guess. He's that damn good. Uh, this is historic stuff. Um, I'm going to go with Kevin Owens. I got to. I wish I could tell you if you're right or wrong. Oh, stop it. I really don't know. Okay, what else um, you got? Seth Rollins versus John Cena. Um, Cena always wins. That's, what, that's why WWE sucks. Wins all, all the time. Based on what I understand, Rollins is the favorite. And I feel like I'm right about this. Okay, I guess I'm wrong again. I think the first number is the one you, you win, and the second number is the one you bet. Give me a call when they turn Cena heel for once. Can we do that already? What's taking so damn long? It's so boring. And now, oh, so the next one is not a fight, but it's rather Sheamus to cash the money in the bank contract at SummerSlam. Oh, the odds on that? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, eight to five. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> They actually have two numbers for that, which doesn't... I don't know if that even makes sense. Um, but anyway. Yes. SummerSlam. Steven Amell and Neville versus Stardust and King Barrett. By the way, someone's telling me that you can actually change... Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to do well, that. You just, you just completely ruined this whole game. Here we go. Oh, that's great. What a joke. Uh, thank you to uh, Wesley Gorman for that tip. I don't need to tweet him right now. I'm not tweeting him. 
Running out of time here. I gave it to you. What? Stephen ML. Oh, yes. And Neville versus Stardust and King Barrett. Uh, the, the latter. That means the second group. Yeah. Uh, no. Stephen ML. See, and Neville. Their odds take into account like where they are in the program and who beat who, blah, blah, blah. So it's not really who's the best. I'm going with who's the best. Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose versus Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. Roman Reigns. Yeah. Uh, definitely the first guys. Reigns. Yes, Roman Reigns oh, and Dean first Ambrose. One. Uh, and finally... Brock? The, the, the biggest of them all. So this is the interesting one. Will Brock just, you know, I, I think he can't win again because you need Undertaker for WrestleMania one more time, right? So I think Undertaker has to get revenge. That's what they have. Undertaker as the favorite. Big? See, now it's decimal. So not big. How weird is it that this, like, old man, you know, who's done it all, who's accomplished it all, but let's be honest, he looks kind of old. Is going to beat Brock Lesnar? It's got to be some sort of screw job, right? Paul Heyman turns on him, something like that. Let me just verify this. Maybe we can get Brock on the yeah. show in studio next week. So I was doing it correctly, which, which, I guess you don't know as much about. Uh, no, I don't. Well, I the just said, I said I well, haven't la- watched. No, but last time we did this, you were you were good, I was killing it. You were I you was. were spot on. This time, not so much. Your boy Kevin Owens, he's gonna lose on Saturday, but win on Sunday at least. According to the odds makers. According to the odds makers, which matters. I feel like we've lost all our viewers. No, they're they're excited for SummerSlam now. They're okay. excited to hear me <laughs> do the odds uh, in fractional form for SummerSlam. Well, it's a busy night in combat sports on Sunday. UFC going up against SummerSlam. How about that? Very rare that that happens. Rare Sunday night show going up against a big WWE pay-per-view. Is that it? That's it. Those are all the fights. Okay. Matches, fights, it's all the same. Thank you for your insight, Mr. New York Rick. Uh, that does it for us. We're back on Monday, and guess what? It's like a post-fight show because we have a Sunday event, which is fun. I like that. Everyone's going to be all, you know, worked up. That's the way it is on Twitter after a, a big UFC or any kind of UFC. Everyone gets all worked up. The sky is falling, getting all freaked out about things. And so then we can come on the show and, and talk about it all on Monday. So that's fun. You can hit my music. I am done. Well... It started a bit slow with uh, some technical difficulties, but you know what? We fight through those things. As per usual, we come back stronger than ever. I want to thank Chris Weidman for stopping by. The best co-main event in UFC history. The history of the UFC, this is the best co-main event. That's like being the, uh, the hottest bridesmaid. Sort of. Anyway, thank you very much to Chris for stopping by. Thank you very much to Roger Huerta. And I wish him the best of luck on September 1st, one championship. That was an interesting interview. Under the stars on a hammock in Thailand. Nothing beats it. Uh, Great stuff, as always, from Will Brooks. Good luck to him on November 6th. Thank you very much for the time, Donald Cerrone, and the insults. I will prove you wrong, Donald Cerrone. I will prove you wrong. You should see me around the house. I got the the belt buckle, the low pants, the plumber's crack, the whole deal. You don't know. Don't judge a book by its cover, Mr. Sharoni. Don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, thank you very much to Jeff Nowitzki. Great insight. Really great insight. I really enjoyed having him on the show. And uh, great stuff, as always, from Cahal Pendred. Cahal Pendred might be the most polarizing figure in MMA right now. Eh, maybe not the most, but 
people have strong takes on him. Anyway, UFC's back, so big show on Sunday. We'll talk about it on Monday. Charles Oliveira versus Max Holloway. Saskatoon, Rough Rider country. If you missed anything, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Go somebody. Somebody. Uh,